up to what's happening trying to find a coin to buy <laughs> can't talk myself into any of these ai coins though they look like shit i'm trying to find one that doesn't um well akt just broke its last fib before heading to all-time high so it's a 406 and probably it'll do 853 for a pretty straightforward run here um it's the gpu cpu you know, cloud service type thing. Again, these things are overvalued as hell, but like, you know, the, these things will run. Uh, yeah. That's... Fetch, we talked about yesterday, like it's at all time high now. So the odds of it running are pretty much, I don't know, pretty much guaranteed now. So uh, that would be another one. Uh, so those couple, even though they're AI plays, I think they're worth a little a bit of a ride. Um, so I think you can make some easy money there on either one of those. You think AI uh, still, I mean, I, I, AKT still has enough left in it? Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, it's relatively illiquid. It's like on, um, it's on like Osmosis and it's on, I think, um, Mexi or something. It's not like it doesn't take that much to move it. Um, but yeah, it's, I, I think right now we're basically just getting started as far as, um, like my, my bullish thesis is that the next, uh, three to four months is going to be super, super hot. Generally speaking, just judging by stock market, NVIDIA earnings, just judging by um, where BTC is and all of that and inflows for ETFs. I think we're in a good position now uh, to grab small, like, I mean, grab small bags and then like make a little multiple and then get out, right? You don't have to go crazy with it. Yeah. Uh, you know, but like <laughs> I was, we were messing around yesterday. Bruce gave me some money. He sent me a thousand bucks of like ox token or whatever, and I and I <laughs> stuck it on uh, a fetch perpetual yesterday, and uh, it's like a three x leverage perpetual, and I'm up like twenty five percent on the uh, on the bag he gave me, oh, so right. I made two hundred fifty bucks off the off the <laughs> the free ox tokens he sent me. It's kind of funny. Um, I don't really know how to. I don't really play on perpetuals platforms much, but it's pretty easy. And it just so happens that like the AI coins, both the charts looked good already as far as like breaking highs and stuff. But then also this NVIDIA earnings came out, so they're going to pump. So yeah, Fetch and Akash should be easy, uh, relatively easy upside here. Um, next fib level for even Fetch is like five bucks, you know, to get to 470 or whatever, 470 ish. That number for Fetch is just a five X from here. So um, it's doable. So it's basically at high now. and like the odds it's going to break are pretty much given. I think it'll just fly right past over the next few weeks, if I had to guess. Yeah, I think that's a better buy than AKT, right? As far as like a more um, more liquid? As far as like, um, they're both sort of stupid coins as far as like actual valuations and stuff. Like they're not worth this at all. <laughs> but at the same time, like if you want to just pure like 
you know, something quote unquote AI related crypto wizard is pumping in stuff. Probably Fetch has an easier uh, go at a move. But although, like, I don't know, Akash to all time high is eight bucks. It's at four two X also. They're both they're both pretty straightforward, I think. Yeah. So anyway, the first time I got Akash, my my Akash is like a dollar or whatever, you know, two dollars. So it's it, it, but. Um, and then fetch, I picked up it when it was like 40 cents or whatever the first time. So, um, but yeah, fetch could go to like, I would say mm, two fib extensions up would be straightforward. That would put it at like 10 bucks. And if it just moons for the whole season, it might be $26. So it could go pretty crazy still, I would say, uh, same with Akash. Uh, it's currently about four ish bucks. Uh, one extension above the high would put it at $24. So that's a pretty good run. So most of these things have made at least one, one level um, up, by the way, once they break high injective is almost there, for example. So that's one, one fit extension above high would be a pretty straightforward risk return type of, you know, sell and get out type of thing. Um, Anyway, but yeah, those look good. I, hopefully, everyone picked up some dips um, this last day or so while everything was sort of like faltering. But um, I don't know, like, um, I, I still remain quite bullish. I think this next couple of weeks, if you get some dips, like, like you, number one, you don't panic. It's like the, the flows are coming into the space quite quickly. Um, so any dips that happen, I think will get bought up more than likely. Um so people should just sort of relax, I think, as far as worrying about it. And then the question is like, um, it's it's a lot easier to buy dips now than it is to try to gamble or to short things because it's just like going into an early raging bull market. It's just almost insane to try to to play the volatility too much. It's just kind of like you, you, you'll just basically get chopped up and you potentially just don't you just buy back higher and stuff. Buy high, anyway. sell low. Yeah, you'll end up buying high, selling low. Exactly. So, um, yeah, I think for the next six months or so, odds of like, even if we have a summer dip, the odds of like a, you know, even a late year rally are quite high. So I don't, I think we'll be fine. Um, so many things like, I mean, really like total three has only just had one leg up, essentially. Uh, Eats is putting in decent numbers. Um yeah, overall market looks pretty reasonable at this point. Certainly not frothy by any me measure. Um, so I think we're okay. Um, yeah, like the only thing I added to... Um, I, I, I already have too much Zephyr, so I didn't really add to it yet um, any further. I already bought all the way like 27 and below anyway. So I'm kind of fine with that. And then I picked up a bit more chain link today at about 1820. So it was already, it was up to almost 21. So 1820 is a pretty good dip. I remember during a bull market, like 30 to 40% dips are fairly common. Um, let's see, take chain links, for example, how much of a dip was that? That was, um, uh, let's see about, eh, about 15% or so off the top, maybe recent top. So I just sort of like nibbled a little bit. I mean, just tiny ads, you know, just to make my wallet look like even numbers, <laughs> you know, kind of just adding tiny amounts. And so that was a, um, that's looking pretty good. Um, yeah, but definitely like the, the market's pumping a lot more on 
narrative based stuff. Like, you know, people talk about AI and then people go bunch of buy a, buy a bunch of AI stuff and whatever. And it just pumps for no good reason. Um, let's see. I had that short on that yesterday. There's two perpetuals I created. One was a short on Luna and one was a long on fetch just to kind of like, uh, just cause the way that perpetuals website ox.fun is just how you play on there. You can, you can do two positions and one was just a hedge. So I'm sort of de Delta neutral. So yesterday the Luna one was in the green because the price dropped when BTC dropped. Um, fetch was in the red, but I basically sold the Luna position added to my fetch position. So now like, I don't know, like whatever thousand bucks Bruce gave me yesterday, I'm up to like 1250, I think. So it's kind of funny. Um, so just like learning to basically just gamble on there just for fun. Um, it's his money. So <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Um, anyway. Um, oh, and up did, uh, I was able to get a, a deal from one of our friends. Um, I won't name them, but like they had, oh, for the ZRS. Yes. Yeah, so I was able to get plenty of that. So I sent him like 10,000 bucks worth of Zeph and he sent me in return the, the like 1.26 conversion ratio of, of ZRS, nice. which is cool. Which is cool. Cause the, the, the appreciation on that is pretty fast. I think like in a year, like in a year, assuming Zeph price doesn't even go up the, the value of that ZRS could easily double by then. So it's yeah. like, like a, he gave me a free 10,000 bucks kind of, just kind of cool. <laughs> Assuming you're willing to hold it, but he had he had a lot of ZRS. He converted all of his, I think, to ZRS back when it was like feasible in the very beginning. So he's like, well, you know, and he had to sell some to pay the bills or whatever. So I'm like, sure. Here, he's like, you want to OTC this with me? And I'm like, yeah, sure. Why not? <laughs> so that, that's that. I knew him well enough now to be like, all right, sure, I'll trade with you. So yeah, cool. Um, Oh, and uh, by the way, uh, another thing, um, DMT messaged me. Um, he's the one that created um, wallet. the wallet, the wallet. Zephy wallet. And um, he updated it um, yesterday. So if you're on iOS and you haven't updated your wallet, um, one of the reasons to do that is it was having problems where on iOS it would like lose like it sort of lose your seed phrase. Like it just doesn't memorize it. So that you're, it doesn't stay logged in. So then you're, you log in and the, the wallet just shows that you don't have any, anything in it and you have to restore a wallet again, or you had to actually delete the app and then start all over again. He did some other, some shit to fix that. And I haven't had any problem ever since. So it appears to be working properly now. Uh, it'd be nice if he had the, the conversion protocol put in there as well. But right now, like, there's some sort of Easter egg in there where you can do it, but um, it's not obvious when you use the wallet how to convert to like uh, how to convert to um, ZSD or to ZRS within the wallet. But if anyone hasn't downloaded it, by the way, um, go onto the Apple app uh, app store and get it. It's Z E P H I I. And uh, the, if you would do a favor for everybody and um, rate the wallet too. <laughs> you know, give it like five stars or whatever so that, um, um, it gets recognized or whatever. Right. Um, that'd be nice as well. I'll give it one star. Yeah. There. Demon. Damn it. Um, demon, did you get yourself some Zephyr or no? You know, the whole nine yards with yeah. Zephyr. Yeah. I saw you 
and uh, Bruce, whenever he brought it up, usually I watch Bruce's tweets every now and then whenever I'm about to buy some shit, see what he says, and then I grab Bruce, a little Bruce bag of it. A lot of those things Bruce buys after I tell him to. <laughs> so like, That's why so I said. Just, I watch your tweets sort and his spreads. tweets. And I it just, just sort of spreads after a while. <laughs> Yeah, so, I meant yeah. to fucking stay in yesterday. I thought I was done with work. Sorry, I just had to bounce out. But no, uh, it's, fine. it's fine. I got a work call and fucking yeah, it happens. Been to me shit. Yeah, yeah, it happens to me too. I've got to go pick up some uh, takeout here in a little bit and drop it off with my wife. Uh, she's got work this evening, so I've got to like. <laughs> she's like, get me some food. I'm like, all right, fine. That's um, when you do Uber Eats or Grubhub or DoorDash. Just they deliver it right to her. I just kind of drive, well, like the mostly just to get out, but like, um, it's like the, uh, the, those to go services gotten obscene as far as what they charge these days. It's almost silly. It's like between the, the driver, the tip and the whatever, it's like, it's like a whole fucking meal. It's weird. (laughs) Like it doesn't make any sense at all. Yeah, the extra fees that they add on now. The driver part isn't it's the fucking fees, like some processing fees or tra- whatever bullshit oh, yeah, that they the, put into it. Yeah, we've got a restaurant uh business that we added um DoorDash to. And I've been kind of watching that and experimenting with it to see what the fuck that does. And Jesus, like the DoorDash people make most of the money. Like the actual food vendor doesn't get shit, but pretty much. Um, so that's the thing. Like depending on how big the order is and stuff though, the, the DoorDash folks take a lot of service fees for the stuff that they, that you get from them. So it's better for you and the business not to use DoorDash. Basically you're just basically giving DoorDash money essentially. Um, it's like an extra tax essentially. So I kind of like, um, I get it, you know, I get the service and everything, but it's, um, it's pretty frustrating. You know what I say in some restaurants, Yusefi is they'll charge a, a higher price. On DoorDash than they do at the restaurant itself in person. Oh no, shit! Really? Um, that make that makes perfect sense. Actually, <laughs> like that's what I should tell the guys to do: bump up the price for the DoorDash version of it. It's what kept um, a lot of those restaurants uh, open during COVID. So ever since COVID, mm-hmm. so it used to not be that way. But then it kept the doors open, so they. And they had to make a little extra money, so they actually upped the prices because nobody could eat in. They could only dine out. And they were making so much money off of the DoorDash orders. So you could still order from there and then go drive up to the pickup lane, and then they would bring your food out. But they were making more and more and more money. Well, my family owns restaurants, so we were doing it too. Um, and then they raised the prices up on DoorDash because 90% of their orders were coming in off of DoorDash and Grubhub and Uber Eats and they never changed it. So, because another, another interesting thing in the ass I learned from DoorDash is, so there are some States uh, in the U S that have put up, put laws together where these services must both collect and pay out the sales taxes to the respective States that they're in. So I don't remember which States have these laws, but some states have laws where you, they'll actually collect the sales tax and they'll send it to the sales tax authority. So you as a business have no further obligation. But the way DoorDash works in other states is they will have, like, they'll collect the sales tax, you know, because it'll come in, they'll, and they'll pay you that money. But then you have to pay the state. And the funny thing about DoorDash is their accounting is such that they have a payout every week. 
the fuck wants to keep up with that instead of like a monthly thing? You got to go in there and dig up all those payouts. You got to check what sales taxes you owe, all that shit. And it's just more paperwork, essentially, if you have a complicated business. Like, so yeah, it's just, just fucking nuisance is what it is. Like just a bunch of extra accounting work, honestly. Um, it'd be easier if like, you be easier if different accounting packages could integrate that stuff faster, but it's not automated. So you're doing a bunch of shit by hand. It's bullshit. So not only did you not make any money off the thing, but on top of that, you're basically doing a bunch of bookkeeping paperwork, essentially. So it's kind of stupid. Yeah, that stuff only works like I think maybe maybe it works in the sense that like some restaurants will be able to get rid of some of their inventory by having some volume from it, maybe. And maybe they'll um, be able to benefit their customers to some extent. But really, it's like it benefits DoorDash more than anybody else. It's kind of, it's kind of a, they make good money. It's crazy. Anyway, um, kind of a sidebar there. People have businesses and stuff. Um, <laughs> by running your own different businesses, you actually get a good sense of like how these things all work. What are the kind of like technical limitations and whatever else? Um, yeah, you own a coffee shop, right? Or a couple of them? Yeah, it's like a, it's kind of a restaurant slash coffee place type of thing. Yeah. Um, so like that's what we were. So we were experimenting the guys that run it are like experimenting with grub. I'm sorry, DoorDash and see how it goes. And, uh, I was just noticing the, the sort of irritating problems associated with it pretty much anyway, but, um, all right. Well, what else are you guys doing? Um, what do you think? I was just looking at the autism chart. What's going on with that coin? Is there any updates on any new things, you know? Um, hmm. Uh, nothing specific. Why? What's happening on the chart? It just, it's been on and bleeding slowly. It looks like. Oh, okay. Let me see. Um, needs a catalyst, but I'm sure Bruce has something up his sleeve like he always does. Oh yeah. Like it's, it's kind of dropped to this sort of like 1.45 mil FTV has just been sitting there pretty much. Um, I think one thing is, um, in injective sort of hasn't really done another run or anything yet. That's one thing. Yeah. And, sitting uh, at like mid thirties, just chilling. Yeah. So it's, let me see where it is. Let me pull that chart up here. Yeah. It's done kind of a nice little like consolidation period. Um, and, the meme coins on that may pick up steam again um, if it continues to run, which it probably will. I mean, Injective can probably run to like another, I don't know, this cycle. It could probably easily get to like $91, which is like 3x from here probably. Maybe higher. I'm not really sure. Um, the thing about these layer ones that makes me nervous, though, um, not so much autism, the token, but like what makes me nervous about the the layer ones is there's a lot of competition for layer ones now. So there's a lot of liquidity fragmentation and attention fragmentation. So it's just too many coins kind of a thing. And if something's already run a whole lot, I have been unwilling to sort of like go big into anything further at this point. That's why I kind of focused on the things that hadn't gone berserk yet, like your chain links and some of these other things um, like Zephyr's chart is much better than most others right now. Right. So it's yeah. like the, 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 the risk reward ratio, as far as like market cap concerns is what, what I've been kind of mostly focusing on at this point going forward. Cause like the thing is I have a few bags packed that I think are, I'm comfortable with and to add a whole lot to anything else right now would imply like a really good 
risk return, a really like some sort of new opportunity has to come up that is like, like a sure thing almost. So the things I was watching for, um, like that's what we were talking about earlier is like that Barra chain is going to come out like in the summer or you've got, um, you know, if you watch for some new coins that, that launch, if they're launched reasonably fairly, or you know how it is, you get in on the day one and just ride the pump. Um, like having a calendar of those kind of things is probably not a bad idea. So like, I think chasing random things that have already run a whole lot, um, may not be the way to go, go about it this time. The AI stuff I think has legs and I think the, the fetch and uh, Akash type things render all those things probably still have plenty of room to run though. I think this cycle, um, I don't have any, there's not any particular FUD for any of those things either. It's like, um, render for example is i believe about to break its high it's at seven bucks its high was eight dollars or something back in 2021 something like that so um i think uh don't quote me on that maybe look, let me look at coin gecko but there are some things out there if they if things that break high um like if you were in all of those ai things back a year ago like when AI narrative start, started first playing out, you'd, you'd get really high multiples, right? You'd, you'd be making 100Xs on things. Um, now to get those kind of 100Xs is not really feasible with the AI stuff, I don't think. It's, you're talking about, you know, three, five, 10X maybe, right? These kinds of numbers. Um, so um, like the, the people that got in really early on those things are, have been pumping the hell out of them for a solid year. So <laughs> just be careful. Um, like render as an, let's see, what was it high? Like, let me pull it up here. Coin gecko. Yeah, it was, it had a high about eight bucks, I think seven eighty three, eight bucks right there. And it's right now at $7. So the odds of a high break at this point are pretty much, I don't know, pretty much near guaranteed. I think just judging by the AI hype cycle right now. So, you know, it says all time high eight seventy eight, and we're at 70 bucks and that's still down 21% from the high. So Akash and Render are right about the same as far as like reaching close to their all-time highs. Fetch just just about hit its all-time high almost. So I, I think these are things up. It's like if you get them, it's like small buy. And if they, you know, give you a 2X or whatever, you know, how will you get out? You know, like yeah, who, cares exactly. what, who, who cares what else it does? or doesn't do or whatever. Because there's comes a point like I'm and you don't know where that point's gonna be where the whales that bought that shit at like a penny or whatever, like take render, for example, during the bear market, it was as low as 40 cents. And now it's a seven bucks. I think it's the lowest two twenty seven cents actually. So those people are eventually going to start to sell out. And, um, you know, these things aren't super liquid. So when the selling pressure arrives, um, it'll typically arrive in force. So <laughs> there's that. Um, so the, the only reason I would buy the quote unquote top on these things now is just because they're doing all time high breaks. Most other times I'm not buying tops of things or doing too much like, you know, sort of like local breakout trading outside of all time high breaks. But anyway, uh, but yeah, take like calculated gambles on them and just ride a little bit and then, you know, make those little small two X's or three X's and then take those and dump them into, um, Something else that hasn't moved yet, I think, is the way to go. Whatever happened to some of these other things? Let me see what happened to, um, for example, 
uh, yeah, no, like with the BTC dip, Doge had already gone to like nine cents and dropped to 8.4 cents again. So that's just like, that just tells you still, I'm, I'm still not convinced like a huge amount of retail folks are here or if, or, and I mean, newbies, I mean, we're all, we're all sort of retail to some extent, uh, but newbies aren't here yet. Um, cause you're not seeing any of these kind of older things run or they are, and they're way less, way more savvy than last time and buying all sorts of shit that's different. I'm not sure. Not really sure. No, I haven't heard anybody asking me about crypto yet. Yeah. I not- talked to a bunch of people in the, in the real world. <laughs> Yeah, but you think the the real world folks are mesmerized by like Nvidia and and the Nasdaq stuff though? Possibly. Yeah, and the ETF too is is definitely starting to that's starting to capture people's attention and tradfi like the people that are in the in the stocks. But as far mm-hmm. as like every day's you know what we saw last time, no, I don't. That's not that's not happening at all. Yeah, there was a guy in another space uh, that brought up a good point, and that is that last time ETH hit three k. You know, people were posting memes and going crazy on crypto Twitter. Now it's three K, nobody cares. Well, all the so, all the people so they, in, in circle, like, they were all trading crypto, and they're not right now. You know, all of like the the friends that I have. So like that totally, and and they're not they didn't get burned last time. They some of them did, but some of them made big money. They just not because they're not into it like we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but um trying to see if anything else did anything um sort of like i'm trying to see if xmr made any moves here um it dipped to like 108 and then went back up to 122 it dipped all the way to 100 back when that the binance delisting initial news was out so it's pretty much recovered a fair amount um i think for a nice little gamble xmr is still good at this price i bought it at like 120 it's at 123 right now uh, you can't find it everywhere. It's on like Kraken in a few places, but um, like a nice little gamble just because the the price got pulled back nicely. That might be a, a good capitulation bet, essentially. Pretty much every time XMR is capitulated like this, similar wick in its history, I would say like, mm, like, <laughs> like, look, just, I'm just eyeballing the charts, but like, Around 95% of the time that you had a wick like this on XMR, you had a substantial bump afterwards. So this this time could be different, but most of these capitulation wicks do pretty well. So XMR is worth looking at. Um, let's see. Zephyr, of course, pulled back from... It went all the way up to like 29 again and pulled back down to a FIB level. It... Dropped down to 23.5 and then dropped down to the FIB level at 19 something. And uh, now it's at 21.7. So I think it'll run. I think the thing about the proof of work folks up is, and obviously um, the Zephyr community is a proof of work crowd. I think they tend to be sensitive to like what BTC does, like the, psychologically. Yes, I would agree on that. I think they're a crowd that is like mesmerized by what it does or doesn't do and play, you know, trades based on that. Cause it's not like things like a lot of the proof of work coins don't have any real news, so to speak. Right. So there's not really a narrative to play at except the, the BTC narrative or the BTC price action. And so if BTC, you know, runs, then probably Zephyr will do, will moon. Right. So, um, if not, then it's, it, 
you know, you might see some cell pressure. But the good thing is that the thing to realize if you're an alt, everybody is if BTC drops, it pulls down alts at a greater percentage, which are generally really, really good opportunities for getting those coins because like it, it drags the price down for no good reason. There's no FUD. There's no nothing. It just pulls it down. Which is great because then you can get in, you know, substantially cheaper, and the volatility is substantial enough that you I mean Zephyr going from twenty nine down to nineteen point eight. I mean, that's a pretty good pullback, right? So you can basically really capitalize on those things um, in terms of buying the dips. Now it makes your wallet look bad for a minute because if you already own it, but that was a thirty three percent drop up already. Like yeah. that's a pretty good dip. So just from just from this recent little mini top. So, I, I have bids in there, like 18, 17 bucks. I'm down in there. Okay. That's good. Greedy. Well, the more people that, the more people that put in limit orders, the higher this goes. That's how this works. Yeah. Because the, 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 you're basically outbidding, you're basically outbidding the market makers essentially. So if, if you have spare money sitting around and you want to stick it on limit orders, much lower on Zeph, do it because even if you don't intend to spend the money, park it there because, um, it it pushes the it automatically pushes the market up. <laughs> That's just what it does. So yeah, if you, if you have cash sitting around, put some limit orders in. Even if it's like really low, like maybe you don't even want to own any. Like let's say you you already have your bag, you know, stick a limit order at you know fifteen bucks or whatever. And the more more limit orders that show up there, the more likely market makers know they can't make money uh, there because like other people are front running them sort of, and so they'll move their orders up. Just kind of how this works. Because the market makers are not the ones doing market buys. They're, they're putting in limit orders only, pretty much. Um, and they'll typically move all their limit orders upward if they see the flows coming in. If they see a lot more limit orders being put in that are not theirs, then they'll say, okay, we've got to go. We'll push this. We'll put our limit orders higher. So they basically just play like market participants, just like everybody else does, really. Um, but yeah, it's like already back up to like 21.9 now from like 19. So just expect on micro caps, extraordinary volatility. We're talking about three day volatility plus or minus 30% is normal. So if you guys haven't figured that shit out by now, you're gonna get shaken out. <laughs> like, you know, cause I've got plenty of money in Zeph. So if it goes, when it goes down from 29 to 19, I'm seeing like a lot of money in action, right? Like it's going up and down and you're seeing crazy money going up and down. So it, it's, uh, you just have to get used to that kind of volatility. You just can't make it in this space. Like you gotta be very, very not comfortable with that. And not only be comfortable, but take advantage of it. Like those dips are for my bots fired up, man. What'd you do? Said I'm be getting my bots fired up here soon. Oh, what, where, what, what platform are you using now? Shit. Um, pretty much use everything. You're not using, are you still using KuCoin or something or did you? Yeah, I still use them sometimes. Um, their bots are kind of fun to play with. Uh, there was a night. What did you What did you do to get past the KYC and all that? Did you just make up a you know thing. So I don't do the I don't need to do the KYC through there. So I transfer either from uh, Coinbase or Crypto.com. I just transfer my stables over there, and then I use those to trade with. And then after, if Kucoin I want, otherwise, KuCoin otherwise kicked all the U.S. customers off. That's what I was asking. <laughs> so they haven't kicked me off. I'm still able to use it. Man, be careful. I, I know someone that, that was uh, doing the same thing and got their account froze with all the crypto on it. Oh, that's fine. There's not, there's never, that's one thing I've always done is 
I never keep crypto on there. So the how, do only, do, how do you how do you use the bots if you don't keep it on there? So, like I said, the night that uh, Coach and I were trading, I transferred over like what did I start with? I think like three hundred bucks, two hundred bucks. So Luna Classic was going fucking ape shit. Volatility that night was like off the charts of it. So I just transferred over one of my stables, and then I trade and made like I don't know, like. I forget, like 1200 bucks off of whatever I put in there that night. It was hours. He and I were just fucking trading like crazy. And then as soon as I make that, I swap it into a stable and I send it right back to Coinbase or Crypto.com. Now, what he's saying is that when you do bot trading, you have to leave the bots on, right? Like you have to leave well, your yeah, money in there. So right? if they kick you off the platform, then you get stuck with your money there sometimes. Oh, absolutely. If they did it, but yeah, I was, yeah. I'm actively trading it. So I don't, I don't let my bots, like I don't run bots for like days on end. So I was opening up multiple accounts and then setting the bots, but I, it was live mm. to where they okay. were putting in yeah. buy and sells and all that good shit for me. So yeah, it was yeah. active. Day, like active, I wouldn't even call it day trading. It was like minute trading. Yeah, but like you don't need bot trading for that. You can just do regular, regular trades. <laughs> the, bot, the bots on there are, the bots They're, on KuCoin are good. It's just they kicked everyone off. So it's like now you have to Yeah, go, but they were really you know. good for setting it up to so where you didn't have to constantly do it manually like that. You could just set it and let your bots go fucking nuts. And like I said, like within that hour or two, the bots are just going fucking crazy because somebody else was using yeah. bots trading that night with Luna Classic. Especially, and, if you use, especially if you use the Futures bot or something. Yeah. You can and, make a lot quickly. Yeah, we were just anyway. going crazy with it. I haven't really messed with KuCoin anymore. Um, the uh, just because I don't want to like deal with them locking me out or something with funds on there. It's just kind of like I just exited all my positions on there and just moved everything. Besides which, like at this point, you can get a lot of um, you can get a lot of coin exposure from so many different dexes and whatnot that um, there's not a very strong reason. Like if all you want is speculative price action. It's not really clear to me that you need to use very many centralized exchanges that often. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm using way less of those little small exchanges at this point. Just don't need them. Um, I think we'll have a lot more interesting trading options once Chainlink CCIP becomes more widely adopted. Pretty much everything will wind up, you know, being probably CCIP compatible, and then you'll be able to trade anything anywhere. You won't really need many centralized exchanges at that point for a whole lot of things, except maybe like proof of work coins and such. And even for that, you have third chain and some other options if you don't want to use those. But so far, like historically, the bot trading has been one of the nice things on something like KuCoin. And, um, you know, if you like that sort of thing. But I think in DeFi, um, if you've got like CCIP bringing in stocks and you have uh, gold and, you know, all these different interesting assets, you can do really nice spots in DeFi at that point. And CCIP is so secure. You don't have bridge risks and all that shit. It's going to be a lot of fun. So I think the next few years, the opportunities are going to really pick up quite a lot. Um, the Chainlink people have been putting on quite a few videos, like, I don't know, talking about Citigroup and a bunch of other people. So there's a lot of different companies and banks and things talking about tokenizing things. But you'll notice that they don't talk about how they're tokenizing them, like what tech are they using. And the fact that Chainlink's site is actually sharing Citigroup and a whole bunch of other companies almost makes it I don't I'm not sure if they're sort of like like riding the, the coattails of those companies or legitimately those companies are using Chainlink in the background and that's why Chainlink is posting about like 
posting about Citigroup and whatever. But um, if those things all get connected, you'll have lots of assets to trade eventually. And uh, in particular in crypto, um, bringing sort of like bot trading type strategies to the masses is one of the cool things that I think um, crypto is going to offer to people who otherwise like do TradFi type stuff right now. So kind of exciting times. Um, anyway, but yeah, hopefully um, everyone's taking advantage of this little little dip here. I don't think, again, I, I could be wrong, but like, I don't think we're going to pull back on most coins too much here. And the reason I say that is if you just like look at something like a chain link, pull up any altcoin chart that's that pumped in October and went sideways for about three months, and you'll find a very nice three-month consolidation. To invalidate that consolidation level, let's just take Chainlink as a perfect example. To invalidate the recent consolidation between like, I don't know, 12 and 16 bucks, and then go down below 12 bucks, I suppose that would be the unexpected play, but it seems just, just much less likely. Because if we were going to dump that much, why wouldn't it have happened over the last three, four months? Right, like why is it going to happen now? It doesn't make sense. So, I think momentum-wise, um, the altcoin charts are scaring people a little bit. It's like, ooh, it's like things have been dropping back down to like where they were maybe like a month ago. Like, uh, yeah, like like Chainlink, for example, has dropped down to its like early February uh, bottom, and so it looks kind of toppy as far as the charts concerned. But I think it's going to wind up being a fake out. It's just going to go up anyway. Is my guess. Um, so we'll see. Otherwise, you know, like uh, over the next few weeks, we'll we get some opportunities if there's a dip to buy some things. Maybe, 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 maybe. Um, I think like Link, for example, um, where would I get some like pretty much anything under 13 bucks? Like I would get a lot of it at this point, um, a lot more than I already have. And I think I just checked my average about $13. So if it goes down below that, I think I'll try to bring my average down a bit more. Otherwise, my bag is pretty heavy there already. Um, Kujira, let's see what happened to it. Um, looking fine, like $4.10. And its recent bottom was like $3 and has been trending upwards. So yeah, my, my guesstimation is that we're going to get breakouts on on FIV levels for a lot of different coins. I'm guessing within a month. I'm guessing within a month that I could be obviously wrong anytime, but I don't think things are going to drag too much longer is my suspicion. So um, I think most people by now should be mostly allocated in whatever they intend to have for the bull market and just hold tight and ride those things probably. Unless you have like new incoming money and you want to gamble on some things. But I think new income money, incoming money guys, like, the gamble is going to be on things that um, is like put together a calendar of the coins that can be released um, over the next six yeah. months. And then like, it's almost like jump into those right as they open. Like, I mean the day they open like that kind of thing. And um, even if they're bullshit tokenomics or whatever, if you get them on the day they open, like especially if they open on a DEX and not a centralized exchange where you can get on there almost instantly um, before everyone else notices, usually you'll get like a two or three day pump. Um, especially if you get it at the instant it opens, if you are late, like you don't happen to have funds on that exchange or you don't have an account and you're just playing around and you wait two or three days, then you got to be super careful. And the reason for that is these things will pump quick. 
and they'll pump on very illiquid markets with like, and those valuations in the little ICO type pricings are absurd. So you're getting into these wild high FDV market cap type things and you could bleed out for God knows how long if it doesn't go well. So if you're going to go to those things and you're going to buy a lot of those coins, like with high amount of money, then you have to be super careful. If you're just there throwing a gamble, it's like, oh, I'll throw 10 bucks at that, whatever. Okay, fine. Do whatever the hell you want. But if you start throwing sizable amounts of money around, it's important to you. You have to be really, really careful with those new coin openings. Can't stress this enough. How many people got fucked over on those various things over the past years? Um, like it's even projects you think are really interesting too, but they're, they'll release them at prices that don't make sense. So for example, it'll be some tiny DAP token and, you know, it'll be like a billion supply and they'll release it for a dollar or whatever. I don't remember what that, you know, whatever, like what that comes out to. But the point is like market cap wise, you know, it'll open up at like a billion dollar market cap. And you're like, what? Like, you know, it's not worth a billion dollar market cap. And so what will happen is, is you're paying an amount that is absurd because remember, you're not paying for the cost ignore the price of the token it's irrelevant it's the market cap that you're paying for ultimately if you think about it and it's also the liquidity depth that you're paying for so like both of those things are going to be all over the place each coin is different you can't just say oh this one has this fdv and that has that you know that has that market cap and i'm going to be okay on this one because it looks fair that may be the case. It may not be. It depends on how much inflation is going on. It depends on how much liquidity is in the various system ecosystems and whatnot. Um, so many variables play a role. And not only that, but like, are they v the VC backed ones have like, they have market makers that tend to pump the price like quicker. <laughs> they, they tend to move the price up faster. Um, so that can sometimes play a role too. So many times when you're looking at different new cryptos, it's really not apples to apples at all. You'd almost have to have like a damn Excel table and you'd have to have like all the different criteria for your coin and like checkbox each of them. Wait a minute. What's the market cap? What, what is the FTV? What is the, you know, who is pumping this thing? What's the shillability of this thing? There's so many different factors involved to picking a half decent one. But like um, a simple strategy in a sense is to say, which of these things is backed by big backers? Like, you know, Wabi was just talking about this a minute ago on his base. Like, if you got a Coinbase backing it or whoever, right? Like, the, the odds that they're going to pump it somewhere at some point in the future are high. And the odds that it's going to be listed in a lot of places with big backers is high. Um, perfect example was we talked about Neutron a few months ago, NTRN. Remember, I mentioned it's like at 40 cents or whatever. Soy, who's part of the Neutron team, he mentioned even sooner than that, like probably like 10 cents or something. And now it's like it went to two bucks and then it dipped down to um, like a buck 50. And it has a market cap in the you know billion plus range at this point, which is kind of funny. Um, you know, is it going to run that much more? I don't know. Um, maybe, maybe not. The funny thing about Neutron is it's like it's a, a token that's secured by the Cosmos chain. And let me look at the market cap of Neutron now. But the funny thing about it is like uh, Cos Adam's market cap versus this thing is very funny. So isn't, it, isn't it the same team from Lido? Uh, it might be. I'm not I sure. Think it is. Like, Neutron's at 440 mil market cap with an FDV of 1.6 billion. And Adam has a... Let's see. Let's compare this a sec. Yeah, it has a FTV of 3.8 billion. So th th that creates a kind of a funny 
situation where like there's no metric in which neutron is worth more than atom itself it just makes no sense in the da- in the like universe of ideas so the thing is that will create a overhead um resistance in a sense against the neutron token i would think so it'll pump for a while but once the pump is over and you don't know when that's going to be wh- whoever's left is a bag holder forever because it's going to drag for god knows how long because it's just like it doesn't make sense for it to be valued higher than atom itself it'd be like uh it'd be like polygon being worth more than ethereum it's like it just doesn't make any sense at all right like it's just layer two type of thing um you know secured by the actual now the other possibility is neutron can go and make its own chain too which which would change that dynamic and the odds that that happens probably are pretty high it's not that hard to split off a cosmos side chain on cosmos hub to its own chain except that i think the neutron people like the fact that it is a like fixed supply uh, type coin where they don't have to suffer from any inflation like adam does so it's kind of a funny thing and it's a smart contract platform on cosmos hub uh, so that's interesting but anyway it's uh it's pumped quite a bit it went to two dollars went back to dollar fifty um I think anywhere sub $1 is definitely consideration on that one. But that's one that was backed by Binance Labs and whatever. So you notice that like the minute the coin came out, it was available on like every exchange known to man. It was on Binance. It was on whatever. I mean, it was everywhere. Uh, You know, had like a 30 or 40 exchange list on the open. So those kinds of interesting scenarios where it's available everywhere um, is not a bad play, especially if it's available everywhere at the very beginning where um where where you know whatever pump was going to happen already happened in terms of exchange listings and whatnot and then the people that show up afterwards are like oh neutrons pumping i'm gonna go buy some where do i get it and they can find it everywhere so the the ubiquitous nature ubiquitous nature of um some of these coins can make it really uh, impressive so um wabi was mentioned earlier i was asking about barachain because one of the guys in here the other day was asking about it he's like what happened to it wabi said because he follows that that brand or whatever and uh, i think coinbase ventures sort of backed them for whatever reason and i believe they're coming out around the summer i think so they're that, doing testnet stuff for right now with like honey and all this other crazy yeah shit. I, saw, I saw that yeah 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 so if you do testnet if you go to bear chain and play on testnet you'll probably get some airdrops and shit more than likely if so if you're into that free shit or whatever then everyone should check that out um and also you'll have you'll have the alpha in terms of when it's going to be released right because if you're following it closely there's a tendency to be able to capitalize on it as well. So those are the things that like, uh, you know, so it's not that the bull market is, you know, like you have to pick the stuff that's already pumped or whatever. Uh, Definitely small amounts of money in very fresh things can go a long way. And by small, I mean like, we don't know what the risks of these things are, right? Like who the hell knows? So therefore um, it makes sense to go small. In that, like, if you're going to get a fat, you know, a hundred X or a thousand X or something like that, then, you know, go really tiny. The trouble with, uh, and Barachain's probably no exception is a lot of the new tokens that emerge are going to have terrible tokenomics. They're going to have high FDVs. They're going to be, they're going to start with ICO pricings that are absurd. Um, so like they're just, you know, very unfair launched. I shouldn't say unfair. The launches are in favor of the token owners. 
the original like founders, the original VCs, the original teams, whatever, and they're not in favor of you, the investor. That's the way to describe those. So um, for any of those type of things, I just do like, I don't know, I've been just taking like maybe a 2X or 3X and whatever, I, <laughs> and then just sell out and then get the hell out of there. So I don't have to pay attention to it anymore. Because the reality is like all those things, like when are the token unlocks and when's it going to run? When's it, whatever. Like who, who has the time for all that shit, honestly? So yeah, I did the same thing with uh, yeah, I did the same thing, but I did that with Tia, and then I get to watch the chart just explode and make so many axes. <laughs> right, that's true. No, I now with with Tia, the difference was is that I took my winnings in that, and I bought other stuff that went up anyway, so it didn't really matter too much because w- when it was running, um, everything else was relatively low still, so I was able to just swap it out, no problem. I did too. I think I still wanted some Tia though. <laughs> After it went to like twenty bucks, I sold yeah. it at like three or four dollars too, which is terrible. I thought I was like making a, a good amount too because when it launched, it dropped down like you know two dollars and change or whatever. Yep, yep. And now it's like three billion market cap with a eight seventeen billion FTV, which is absolutely absurd. But okay, whatever. Um, you know, FTVs are essentially a meme in this space, but, um, it like, I think the growth is probably petering out for Tia to some extent, like everyone that wants it has it and whoever wants it for, uh, airdrops and shit probably has staked or what have you. And, um, then you'll have some sort of airdrop season and the token's going to dump because like once the airdrops are done, it's like, then it's like, there's not an obvious reason to hold the thing. I think this summer or this fall, there's an unlock as well for the for Celestia. Yeah, so who really knows how much that affects the yeah I don't know the valuation. I know that when it was when it was climbing, people were talking about it, and they were that was the other conversation is how long do you can you remain staked for airdrops before you unstake and then get out before that unlock happens. Yep, yep. So anyway, I I felt like um, as long as I've got a rec chart somewhere else and I've made some gains on whatever it is, I'm not too worried about it because I know everything's going to go up. So it, the, the multiples might be higher. Like take, for example, um, like if you have a full, full on bull market, something like a Zephyr can easily go from $22 to like $400, which is a billion market cap or something like it's very, very feasible. So it's like, uh, you know, to me, it's like, if I'm going to sort of make a few X's on something, um, and I still have some opportunity somewhere where there's a high upside, then I'd rather just swap it out. It's kind of my take on it just cause then I can do it, you know, 10 or 20 X somewhere else. Right. Cause if you do a two, if you do a two or three X somewhere and now you've done another 20 X, well, you know, that's a 40 X at that point. Hard to beat that. So like it doesn't, it takes more patience, but it's, uh, it can be quite lucrative if done correctly. So I'm I'm happy with all the different things that I've three X'd and whatever, just in junk stuff that I just decided to like sell or whatever. And then I dumped them into, you know, all like I just poured it into Zephyr all the way to the very bottom. And I feel like all it has to do, like even if it goes to its all time high um, or like it goes to like a hundred bucks, I'll have probably beaten most of the coins on the market today. Like all the ones that are run that you can think of, I'll meet, be practically everything just because of those initial multiples plus just another you know, a simple 10 X from here on on Zephyr will do the job. So I like that. And I like the fact that like once it's gone up, I can switch that to, um, 
So, so the other stuff I have like capital gains because I have like, you know, clocked those on public blockchains, but you know, in Zephyr, like there's no telling what my bag is worth. Um, and I can convert it to whatever, whenever I want to, and there's no ledger. So that's, that's how that works. So like to me once, the, so the big difference is going to be like when Zephyr makes its moves and I go into ZSD and whatnot, then all of those previous gains and whatnot are being used in that multiplier. And then it just goes into a black box. So it's like super powerful for me, at least. <laughs> so it's like a really obvious play for me. We need Badali and all the rest of those except ZSD. Um, they don't really have to because you can just swap. So you can just create like a new... I don't know, like a no KYC or trade ogre, you can create a and Zephyr swap when it opens, whatever. And you can just swap for Tether and send it into Badali. Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying that, that way you don't have to go to, you know, another chain. You could just go straight over to it. Oh, if they had it. Yeah, I guess yeah. that's true. The, I don't know how much they're going to implement um, as far as like um, privacy coins into those things exactly. Uh, so who knows? Yeah, probably put some on them. I mean, I would imagine they're on the radar anyway, though, if they accept crypto. Yeah, they tend those all those companies tend to accept the things that think that they're going to make them new customers. And right now, Zephyr is a very nascent sort of group, right? Yeah, absolutely. So it's it's got to be like they they want liquidity. Um, if they're going to do the tech, the development time to implement something, they're going to want a uh, like an expectation that new customers show up. Monero is pretty widely accepted though in terms of like online because I see I follow a lot of their the influencers in that in that uh, community, and they they talk like, about where it's accepted. What kind of things can you buy with Monero? Like, give me an example. Like, oh, all I know. sorts of stuff. But like, what the majority of the things that people like to buy with it is like contraband, like not contraband, but like more like things that are, um, you know, uh, not as positive light or image, and you know, things like drugs or like uh, weapons or body armor or like weird shit, you know, like that. <laughs> yeah, like things that like you don't want to be tracked for, shit. I guess. Yeah. 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 Like doomer shit kind of. Exactly. Cause like the, a lot of people that are in, it's the same crowd that's like the ghost guns and all that kind of stuff, you know, like they're, it's weirdos. <laughs> yeah. The weirdo, the ghost guns. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly. I mean, I, cause I mean, I, I like to have some guns, but I don't mind having a background check. So like, I'll just go get a background check. It's not a big deal for me, but some people are, have their, their thing. So they like to yeah, stand on mountains. Like just, well, just in case there's either zombie apocalypse or like, you know, Hitler takes over the world or something like they want to have their, you know, they have, <laughs> that's pretty much what it is. Right? Well, they like, they, they, they print, they like, uh, the, the thing with ghost guns is they, they use, they like print them or whatever. They 3d print them with where they have no serial numbers and no tracking or it's just like basically like Zephyr, like Monero. It's where it's untrackable by the government. That's the whole idea about it. Interesting. Yeah. Same crowd yeah. though. And so a lot of those people that buy a lot of those things online, they'll use Monero for it because of that. And like same, same thing with the VPN that you bought or any other thing like that, that you want to conceal your, your privacy. Uh, Speaking of the word privacy, have you ever noticed that uh, people with, from the UK or from over there, that part of the world, have they say privacy, they say privacy, but then they say pri the word private. <laughs> privacy and private. like next time bruce says it let's see if we can get him to do it but he'll he'll say private and then when he says privacy he'll say privacy instead of privacy he doesn't say privet yeah <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of funny i noticed that the other day i was like wow it's kind of an interesting thing with um whatever it's dialect or whatever 
That's an interesting thing. I haven't really thought about that. Yeah, it's like a, a like a, not a paradox, but it's like a like a rule violation of some kind. <laughs> mm. um, I have to put in my uh, aux orders here because, like, remember the guy showed me how to play on this thing yesterday. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask you if you did your three your three levels or whatever. You got to do that every day, right? Yeah, that's what I'm figuring out right now. I'm the, I need to figure out the. I almost like forgot how to do this, so it's like that's a thing. Um, I'm just wasn't it like five percent on ox, and then you had to do the shorting and the and the longing for the other two. Um, hold up, let me see. There we go. Um, yeah, you just have to like put in different positions in here, and you get for free free ox tokens for doing the work. Pretty much <laughs> what it is. That sounds like a lot of tax work, though, too. That's why I was kind of hesitant to want oh, to do I'm it. Not, I'm not doing taxes on this. Bruce sent me the money, so I can do whatever I want with it. <laughs> like, I don't care. He, he just sent me some free money, and I'm just playing. Yeah. Like, he's like, here, here's a thousand bucks. I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm going to play on it and see what happens. Safi, are you able to hear me? Yeah, go ahead. What's up? Is it loud and clear? Uh, you're good. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah, I'm actually using my other phone. And I'm on Wi-Fi from my main phone, so mm. I'm surprised that it sounds as good. Sounds yeah. muffled a little bit. Like it sounds like you're inside of like a, I don't know, like a box or something. Yeah, I'm actually inside somewhere. <laughs> inside somewhere. That makes a sense. You're in a closet. Something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Okay. Hey, uh, did you are are you looking at render right now, bro? It broke out of seven dollars. Yeah, and we just talked about it right before you got in the room. So, what's the next level to look out for in the immediate short term for Fat? Can we see like a dollar fifty on Fat in the next like two or three days, and maybe we could see nine bucks on render by the end of the week? Fat's next fib level is five bucks. I suspect it runs there fairly quickly um, in the next, like within the month or whatever. Uh, I'm not sure about the exact, you know, like dates and whatnot, but uh, FET's all time high. I think it ought to break fairly quickly. I'm sorry, renders all time high. It's so close. It's a magnet. It's going to break within no time, probably as well. Um, it's been a bit since I put some fibs on this one. Let me tell you what it's going to be. So with render, the um, target for the first fib would be a dollar 27 no not dollar 27 i'm sorry 19 dollars would be the uh render target next and then above that would be probably 30 dollars i would say it is highly likely for render just judging by the chart i would say it's highly likely to do like two or three fib levels um this run so that would put like Third level above uh, break for render would be about $59. So that's kind of a good place to hold on to it till. I think you just leave it alone. You'll have plenty of time to think about it between now and then anyway. <laughs> so um, as far as trajectory, like how long would it take something like that to happen? Oh, I don't know. This year, I think, like before December is likely just by trajectory. Um, assuming the market continues to just climb upwards steadily. So we'll see. Um, 
yeah and then fetch we talked about that one it's next level up uh so all-time high is a buck 20 um and the next level up is the hell happened to my drawing here hold up a second either it's lagging or it went missing hold up a second well, that's weird um what was fetched by the way i mentioned it earlier it was like 480 or something 470 is the next level up and after that it's like 10 bucks or something like that so it's you got plenty of room on fit if it breaks all-time high it's going to run quite a lot um yeah at least two levels i would guess so and akash is the same way akt fat render all the it's basically all the same shit anyway kind of like it's the same narrative for the most part uh anyway uh so yeah what else are you doing Wabi? You, like so you did you cycle out of some things or what <sighs> i had to jeet some bags a little bit because i'm like a hundred percent deployed i'm not even like no joke bro i've got some stables but like for the most part dude i am fully strapped in yeah um so i'm mostly the same way and yeah. i've got some money coming to me like end of the month uh, i'm sorry uh for like january um fresh money or i'm sorry not january i'm sorry march um i've got some fresh money coming or, or i have to sell stocks essentially to buy yeah 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 yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm i really want to take out a loan bro um <laughs> Put some stuff in collateral, but I'm gonna wait until like interest rates are down, so the money can be cheap to borrow. And by that point, everything is gonna go up at the same time. That's what I'm thinking, man. Like, borrow some cash. You, know? you can never have enough, right? <laughs> so you're gonna you're gonna go for leverage this bill run. Yeah, that's what I did last bull run, bro. Granted, I, I lost most of it, right? Like, were you able to pay off your loan? Like, all the leverage. Yeah, 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 all that stuff is taken care of. But what I'm saying is, like, my initial plus my leverage, right? Like, a lot of the leverage stuff eventually, eventually just got cocked, right? But my initial was fine, right? Like, I still made a ton on that. Like, the leverage worked. Um, like second half of twenty one when I was like yield farming mm -hmm. on uh, on token own forks, and that was crazy, bro. That was like that was insane, dude. Like I never participated in talking the the uh, the, the smorgasbord of own fork bullshit. I never played that game at all. Yeah, bro, dude. Like these tokens went up, and you earned like eighty percent yield on them, like a day. It was like eighty percent on your money just from the yield a day plus the token went up it was like like bro you want to talk about like some people say oh interest rates don't matter they, they kind of do for DeFi, and that's why like you're starting to see the ponzi's come back like there's already a new anchor out called athena you just that. lock up your eus i saw uh, that yeah so that's the new anchor it's 27 percent on your money. And I know some people are going to be like, Oh, this time is different. Like, bro, I got into <laughs> an argument 
look, look, look. I got into an argument. Um, what's that grifty capital thing? GT Capital. Yeah, those guys. Mm-hmm. Um, I got into an argument with one of their guys. I don't remember his username. It escapes me. But it's one of those guys. And I was saying how Anchor's a Ponzi. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not going to last. And Luna's going to end up like Neo. Mm-hmm. Um, and mind you, like, I was bearish as fuck on Luna. And I knew at some point it would go to like 2 $3. But the context just wasn't there for me. So I was bearish as fuck. And I was still mostly all in on UST, which is the crazy part, right? <laughs> you didn't listen. And <laughs> I mean, I, 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 I took a haircut, but eventually I made it all back. Like, that's, that's the thing with people in the Luna community, bro. Like, you can take a 30, 40, 50, 60% haircut, and within a year, you're yeah, back. That shit right? pretty quick. At least, yeah, at least that, that's what I hope, right? Because, like, you, Bruce, and a few of the other guys like Christy and Midas, we all made our money back within the year, right? Because, like, if you make $2 million or some shit and you lose it all and you can't make it back, it wasn't yours to begin with. You just got lucky, right? But if you end up making it all back, then you've proved yourself worthy. You're not incompetent. You <laughs> not have the luck. skills. And- <laughs> it's not just huh? luck at that point that you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so... Anyone can um, get lucky, but you have to, like, yeah. Yeah, like, like lose it all. And that, that, that's, that's what I recommend for most people. Like, if you really want to see something, round trip a position and then see if, like, you can replicate it. Right. Because there's a there's a difference between like there's a difference between outperforming the market and then realizing that like the entire market's going. Right. Two differences. But where what I was getting at, bro, is like um with Luna, like I didn't know how the mechanism like worked right. I just knew that Luna would go back to two bucks. And I thought UST would be fine, but whatever. Well, UST it is two, what it is. Luna, two bucks UST can't be fine. That was a different problem. Like it's not. It's like not quite yeah. possible. But anyway. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I started really paying attention when like the Luna and UST market cap were almost at parity. And that was when the DPEG really started. And you were able to get out twice. That's the thing, right? You were able to get out at 94, 95 cents, and then two more times at above 80 cents. So you had time. You had like 24 to 30 hours to, to GTFO out of your position, right? Um, and yeah. Uh, it, it is what it is. And now it's like, you know, these yield bearing platforms, it's going to be the same thing, right? Like Athena and all those other things. Like, sure, in a bull market, yeah, buy the gas token, you know, buy the token that appreciates the more people lock up their EUSD. 
But after Bitcoin tops, right, um, there's like super euphoria and all that stuff. You probably want to get out, bro. Because you're, you're not going to farm like real yield in this industry above the Federal Reserve rates. You're just not, dude. Like, you're better off, you're actually better off not interacting with DeFi at all this cycle, to be honest. Like, Crypto Wizard, dude, he doesn't do anything. He doesn't stake. He doesn't trade. All he does, he logs into KuCoin, sets his buys, and then like sells every quarter so he can buy the dip the quarter after. That's all he does, bro. That is all he does. And I think most people are better off like well, he's, he's not even. He's different though in that because he's Muslim, he doesn't do interest rates. He doesn't like interest. So that's part of his vibe anyway. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm not, dude. Like the only thing I'm doing, bro, is like, um, staking my airdrop, and that's it. But like actually putting real capital and staking it, you're out of your mind, bro. Like you're crazy. You're absolutely insane. And with airdrops, you have to be careful, right? Because if you lock something up, right, with a 100k principle, right? I know most people don't even have like half of that that's liquid but say you put 100k into something that that that's locked right and then say the price goes down by 30% but hey you got an airdrop that's worth 5000 right and then you unstake along with everybody else and now you're done another 5 grand but hey at least you have you know 5 to 8 grand off of an airdrop so it's sort of a psyop, right? Airdrops are kind of a psyop. Um, on paper, right? On paper, your staked asset might be worth a lot going into the airdrop. But by the time you unstake, right, you're, you're probably still going to have the same nominal position from that 100K, right? M- more than likely, once the airdrop meta um, has been complete, Right, the the same thing happened with uh, with Luna. Right, anytime there would be an airdrop, the thing would basically crash down, unless you had shit that was like staked from the time a token launched. Right, most people are better off not staked. Right, like sure you can stake, you know, stuff that's live right now, but for someone that's retail that comes in next year, they're they're better off not staking at all. Um. Yeah, like I, I would not recommend staking more than like five percent of your total like net worth. Um. Yeah, I, I, I just would not that. That unbonding period is just terrifying, absolutely terrifying. And the fact that like your validator can misbehave, and then your funds get slashed. I don't know, man. I don't know, bro. I've got to interrupt you, man. So this loan you're going to take out, you know, coming from another guy who took out a loan to buy crypto. Um, what are you going to buy with it? What's your go-to? Probably Nillion Network, new tokens that don't have tokens yet. That's what I would do. Like, I'm not going to be buying stuff that's out right now. Um, but yeah, 
new charts. That's it. Right. So. Yeah, so I yeah. sold EKT about a week ago um, at $3.58. I bought it just under two. Um, told Sefi about this like a week and a half ago. And that bag, it's like $4,500, $4,600 is just sitting. And I'm, I'm not sure where to allocate this thing or if I should just be wait, like waiting for new tokens like that. So, you know, what you, you know what you could do, bro? You know what you could do? Take half of that, right? Buy back your original position, and with the other half, give it to an e girl. No, don't okay? do it. Give it. No way. <laughs> no, no, no. It's 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 the ultimate strategy, man. It's called effective community marketing, right? When you gift the gift of crypto, look at what Coach Bruce did, dude. Coach Bruce has an army of dozens of hot women, dude. And Bobby, you have, like, you have some serious echo back there, man. It's hard to hear you. The voice is hard. Are you talking about, are you talking about yeah, me? Yeah, your voice is really harsh back there because of the room you're in. It's hard to hear you. Yeah, in his, his cavernous cathedral room, purchase, yeah, purchase he's like crypto, can, crypto earnings. He's in the back. Can you hear me now? Am I good now? Hear you. It's just a lot of echo. Is all okay all right but where i was getting at let me open the door here can you hear me now am i yeah, good better if you get outside the walls <laughs> yeah, i'm not yeah, giving my yeah. cash money to an e-girl i'm not gonna do it bro but listen you're not understanding the strategy right if you give half of it to an e-girl she'll be grateful and then start promoting it and then she'll join the discord and say how much she loves the community and then she'll get hired as the head of marketing and then she'll show your bag just because of that one donation to an e-girl she's gonna call me a simp thank me for the money and then my fiance is gonna leave me that's what's gonna happen well, yeah, if you have a fiance, you can't Drew, the uh, one option would be I noticed um, there was a chart with a pretty decent pullback on it. And that was um, and I don't even know what the coin does, but it seems to be popular. It's called Pendle, P-E-N-D-L-E. And it yeah, has a pretty decent pull, it has a pretty decent pullback on it back to like, I don't know, like one of the major moving averages or whatever. And it looks like it's, uh, you know, it's still got a like bullish looking pattern on it, but uh, it might be something to consider. But here's the thing, Drew, like. The, the basic thesis is, do you actually believe we're going to have a bullish continuation of the home market the next three months or not? No, that's no. And that was that was my next point of commentary. The other reason I came on to speak is everybody has been speaking about this like it's going to be a left translated cycle. And I understand there's a lot of early momentum, like earlier than usual. But uh, to Wabi's point. I just don't see interest rates coming down nearly fast enough. Like even if there are rate cuts, money is still not going to be cheap enough for people to load up on leverage, right? So I'm I just have this like slight sinking feeling that this thing is going to move sideways for a long time, right? And maybe we do end up getting that super cycle. But uh so then you just simply have to ask yourself like let's say it's an altcoin uh, what is an acceptable drop from a recent top that you're willing to get in? Is it 70? Is it 80%? That's the question. I mean, I haven't seen any 70s or 80s on, on decent projects. I mean, Zephyr was the Probably. only one that had an 80%, right? Exactly. So 
the thing is like if you expect bullish like times at some point but you want to get something that is at a substantial discount you have to follow a lot of charts and set yourself some alarms pretty much because you're gonna not know here's the problem like there's always something dipping somewhere but you're gonna miss it unless you're literally like setting alarms on every single one yeah yeah man trading view is so damn expensive though and time consuming holy hell but yeah, you're right. Yeah, you're that, not wrong. That's why the thing to do is just like pick a bunch of shit that has like some running narratives that seem popular and then just set an alarm on like maybe a dozen different things. Just go to CoinGecko or something, set some alarms at some prices at about an 80% retracement and then just walk away. If something shows up, great. If it doesn't, you miss it, whatever, who cares? You'll, there's always something somewhere going up. And not only that, but there's going to be other coins coming out that could be interesting. And then you'll have your capital just ready to go. Um, cause it's oftentimes easier to make a lot on a new chain faster than it is to sort of like ride the coattails of something that's been pumping all year. Yeah. Unless it pulls a Levana, right? Uh, right, right. <laughs> yeah. That one was uh, funny cause like they just fucked up the launch. So then what are you going to do? The thing is, it seems like more launches than not have kind of a drop off in token value. That's true. That's true. Especially if they're, that's what I was saying earlier. The, the warning is like it, the, the new coins, they end up being launched at way too high valuation and in a like giga bull market where everyone's just euphoric. Yeah. It might pump for a bit, but when that pump is over, um, you know, get ready for the party to begin. And it's truly a high low game because some of them will list and then just be down only. Right. Like that happens too. And then like it has to bottom out as some netherworld you know, price way down and then it will start picking up. So yeah, it's, it's a bit of a high low game on those new coins for sure. So you don't want to, you definitely don't want to just dump all your money into something. Um, you want to take like, you know, a few bets here and there with small amounts. Um, yeah, you want to almost have find like four or five things that could do a 10 X, um, or something like that. And then just divide up between them. How certain are you that this is going to be a left translated cycle, Seppi, from your chart reading and your vibe? I mean, there's no chart that will tell you. It's just pure vibe check, pretty much. It's like, okay, you have Havening coming, you have ETF narrative, you have Coinbase earnings being very good, you had NVIDIA sort of punching up crazy numbers, um, and the tech companies have been putting out decent numbers as far as just overall profitability and whatnot um you have the potential for a rate cut later but like you know who cares really at this point um it doesn't really like play too much role in the happening narrative anyway um and then you have the etf thing with ongoing like wind in the sales for btc because what's not going to happen is the the etfs don't have any downward pressure on etfs i'm sorry on um they, they don't create any down downward pressure on um the price of bitcoin if anything they can all it's up only as far as the effect of that right so you know to me it's like i'm not too worried like and there's no fud left really like what fud is remaining so for there to be a black swan event like a war or some shit can you know there could always be some I don't stupid think shit any, i don't think there's any crypto fud and and i i agree with everything you just said but just for the sake of playing devil's advocate yeah um, I think there are a couple of counterpoints to that. I think if you look at the, you know, the plebs like me, um, there's really not much liquidity, right? So you had the stimulus checks before, 
Um, now I you agree. have record credit card debt and food prices. Yeah, the yeah no, I agree. So, yeah, really is, is, is the ETF too. thing and like the lack of leverage going to be good enough to sort of drive this? Um, you know, I don't really know. You know, like it's it's really tough to say. Um, the other thing is in the alts, like if you have a decent alt, none of that stuff really matters because the market caps are still minuscule. So like exactly. if everything generally runs, you're going to be fine. Yeah, but the total crypto market cap, like getting to three billion, I, you know, could could take a minute, right? So uh, yeah, the three trillion, you mean? Or sorry, three trillion. Yeah, my bad. Yeah, yeah. It, could, it could take a minute, and then we'd just be at uh, you know the previous cycle high. Um, and and speaking of all those earnings, right? I mean, I mean that's fine with the record earnings, but the PE ratios are still like insanely inflated on most of these things. Like Nvidia, Jesus Christ. You know, so. well, Nvidia's Nvidia's uh, earnings came in really strong today. So they did. They're, they're they're doing fine, and, and not only that, but like the the description. I listened to the earnings call on that one, and the description was that the number of data centers that are moving to sort of advanced computing uh, centers are basically all of them. So the thing is, like, you like like the amount of growth for these companies is substantial, and um, Point is, like, like if the NASDAQ and the tech stocks and whatnot are doing pretty good, then you ought to sort of see the wind in the sails of risk-on assets, generally speaking. So it's yeah, kind of... Yeah, a, that's true. I, I might be looking a little bit too much at macro conditions, but that's kind of part of my job. But, but this, right, is why, so. this is why, Drew, like, I, have a, I had a simple thesis. I'm with you. I'm like, what the fuck happens if we get a big black swan event or maybe, you know, things go sideways or whatever? What what do I want to be positioned in if that happens? And that's where Chainlink came in, right? Because the it had a long consolidation up to, you know, under $10. It's only at $20 right now. Uh, and a ton of fundamental shit is going to come out during not only this year, the year after that, and the year after that, that it can actually theoretically run even in the next bear market because of its fundamentals. So then the thing is to me, it's like, if I'm going to hold a bag and I have to worry, like, do I want to hold it six months, a year, two years? What if I have to hold it five years at size? It was the one that was the safest play. As far as I'm concerned, it's almost as good as gold, like, or better. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, it's, to me, it's the, it's my safety pick for the year would be changing. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's kind of what know. it is for me too. It's, and, it's my and maybe, maybe it won't moon. Maybe it won't moon as much as you think, or maybe it will be slower or faster. Who the hell knows? But, but it's like that position. I can sleep well at night knowing it'll be fine. Like yeah. if it dips, it's going to come back up and shit, right? Multi, yeah, multi-cycle utility, right? So if you just have to wait out another bear run. Yeah, but I mean, like, like, but even this run with a modest amount of growth of that platform, you know, getting to like, you know, $140 link or, you know, like, uh, you know, a couple of fibs off of its top is very rational. Um, like, for example, if BTC is at 100K, which is very, very rational, even for a modest run, BTC under K is feasible with the ETF stuff going on. So, if, and not only that, but remember that. Oh, one other metric we forgot to mention, uh, Drew, is the the number of Bitcoins available in an exchanges is at absolute record lows. It's down below 2015 lows. So, this if you believe in the supply shock concept, and then you couple that with happening in April, which hasn't, it's not technically priced in because it's deterministic then you really have a lot still coming um, in terms of like possible bullish catalysts there. So I don't know. It's like, there's a lot, I would say like, you know, your points as far as like 
you know, easy money being available and all that. I think that's, you know, that weighs upon me, like maybe like, you know, 30% of the, my bearish case. And then the rest of the items are like 70% bullish, especially when you look at the moving averages for crypto. Fuck everything else. If you just say, look, where are the long moving averages? Have we bottomed out like, you know, last year, the year before that? And are we going to retest those bottoms? Those bottoms seem improbable at this point. And, you know, like if BTC takes a nosedive, you know, like let's take a, a link, for example, let's say Bitcoin drops to, I don't know, fuck, like 40K or 35K or something. Is it going to take, you know, link into the netherworld? I think it's going to get bought up somewhere in the $12 and above range, if I had to guess. So I don't think it's going to dip back into consolidation range again. I think that most of the market participants will find it at a discount. So like, I, I'm just looking at it from that angle too, but I'm with you. I'm like the bear part of me. Um, but at the same time, I'm just, I just max allocated. I literally like, I'm not even worried. The bear part of you, Sefi. I need the you bear, to push this shit down to 12. Do it for me. The bear, the bear push part push, push link down to 12 and pump Adam to 140. What's no, it going to take for 140 Adam? Adam but to the 140. Bearish, the bear side of me says, I'll take my income for the next year. And if I find some discounts during that time, voila, I'm in. And then not only that, but like most of my stocks and things are up like 40 to 100%. So the thing is, if like I bought those in the last two years, those are my stable coins. And basically, like if I see a good dip in, say, like, you know, anything like Chainlink less than $12, if I see BTC take a nosedive, then I can swap into those things quite easily using that capital. That's the, that's the play. So I have some spare change in a sense. But all of the, 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 the free cash I had just is allocated at the, at the moment. I have to sell something to buy, basically. But um, hey, yeah, Jay, what's up, man? Oh, sorry, man. Go, go ahead. I was hey, gonna everybody. I, I, love, I love that you're still showing Link into a sea of disbelief. And you're, <laughs> I mean, all your logic is completely sound. It's just nobody buys the thesis of like risk-adjusted returns anymore. They all just think they have to chase pumps instead of guaranteed gains. Well, I mean, in my case, like the, the link bag is a much more sizable bag than most other things I have. Uh, I mean, the amount of chain link I bought, I would say like in the last, uh, I don't know, like two years, if you add it all up, the, the amount is more than all the stocks I bought in two years. And I buy a lot of different things. So it's a pretty sizable bag. So that just gives you an idea of like my conviction where it com when it comes to the risk adjusted, like angle on that particular coin is kind of how I'm looking at it. Yeah, I think that's a really good way to, to think about things. And I almost feel like the market in crypto, like the people here that are still left from last cycle have PTSD from distorted market conditions where things pump that shouldn't have as a result of like FTX and all the um, fraudulent leverage in the system from all the centralized lending protocols playing around with user funds. But it's like, I feel like a lot of people aren't ready for the return to normal of crypto where things are popping off. You have the narrative rotation cycles, but then you also have underlying fundamental assets gaining in value over time intrinsically, which last cycle really didn't have. Like there was a basically a spreading out of capital into all the new alt layer ones, all the ETH killers, all that competitive stuff. And things like privacy coins, which were on the forefront of innovation in 2017, didn't capture hardly any of the pie, but all the like scammy and marketable stuff like NFTs and um, all the new DeFi copy paste whatever's 
they all caught the mind share and therefore the flow of retail capital. But what's different this time is this is like kind of the TradFi cycle, at least thus far. Um, I don't know anecdotally what everyone's experience has been, but mine has been none of my non-crypto friends are reaching out to me, asking me questions. Nobody I see is posting on social media in any meaningful capacity. It's starting to uptick now, like after Bitcoin's rallied or whatever. But prior to this, no tourists are here. So the hot ball of money is just people like us trying to speculate on what the next retail is going to buy. And they're so burnt from last cycle of underperformance on fundamental stuff. They're not willing to take a chance on things that realistically, like on a return to normal basis, should outperform. They're trying to all just hop in and find the next 10x on something with narrative strength, but no fundamental strength. And that's where I think Chainlink shines. Like one of the key things to keep in mind is all these flows in crypto have almost always been top down where new money comes in in large, large flows into Bitcoin first. And then the reason why it trickles down into the alts and then higher further out on the risk curve is because the people that bought and held Bitcoin forever ago that are now whales, they were the original risk takers. And so they like to diversify. They like to find the next plays or whatever. And you're seeing that now repeat again for the first time. So instead of laterally the money spreading out and buying all the random alts up front because that's what retail likes to do. TradFi is only buying Bitcoin and some of the funds in crypto are now buying ETH in anticipation of its own spot ETF. And so you see the same dynamic return that it used to be. And so that makes things like Chainlink extremely attractive because how many other alts do you think could potentially even qualify for a spot ETF in the next five years outside of Ethereum? Like there really aren't that many. And so just play for that to happen. Um, people should be thinking more that way instead of last cycles like gem hunting and micro cap finding sort of thing. You're telling me Luna Classic can't get an ETF? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, who knows? Oh, for, for sure. It's it's way less regulatory deterioration. Both these fucking wood chimes, man. They better give me a fucking ETF, man. <laughs> Yo, Jay, I, uh, I relate to what you just said a lot, but the thing that concerns me is that, uh, I, I mean, I've already seen a lot of shit coins run in this cycle. I mean, things with, with like just narrative and no fundamentals, low TVLs, things like injective, right? Which I, I hold a pretty substantial bag uh, relative to everything else, right? So, that, that, you know, that, that little meme, meme coin uh, blurb that we had in, in December and early January. Um, so I, I feel like... Uh, I don't know, maybe people just like there was so much euphoria around uh, around those hidden gems in 2021 that you have a lot of the degenerates left over who are who are just trying, you know, trying to find those uh, immediately instead of instead of going with the normal cycle and loading into Bitcoin. So I'm I'm wondering if maybe that's, you know, foretelling of, of what we're going to see. But. Yeah, so that's actually a really good point. Um, I know Sefi's definitely touched on this before, but like obviously each person's personal portfolio construction matters based on the amount of capital you're working with. So like people operating on larger timeframes with larger amounts of capital deploy differently. But in terms of the dynamic you're talking about, where uh, so far the millionaires have been made on basically shit coins, meme coins, and like new narratives without much substance, that's obviously going to continue. And I, if anyone's here full timing it. Um, and you have the time to dedicate to like finding all these discords and doing the work, that's probably how you're going to make the majority of your money. But just be aware that until you have marginal buyers that are completely uneducated, like Uber drivers and barbershop workers, that kind of thing, you're just selling to people like us, or you're expecting to be able to sell your exit liquidity is going to be other crypto natives. And so those returns tend to get smaller and smaller 
like that roller coaster of death sort of dynamic until there's a new narrative or something new that can hype and move outside capital to jump in and be the next marginal buyer. So you can still make money on new narratives. Like there's going to be new alt layer ones that launch a cycle that pull 10 to hundred X's or whatever. I, I don't dispute that, but talking about risk adjusted returns, like where you want to park your capital, what you want to actually take a chance on, just be aware that it gets harder when the cycles are, what's the term, like more um, derivative of the previous one. Like if people come in here expecting to make money on like Shiba clones, it's it's like sharks will feed on the minnows until there's no more minnows left and there's just sharks feeding on sharks. And I kind of, you see that in the micro cycles, like cycles now are so much faster than they were even a year ago. Stuff like the 404 tokens that came out, like the hype for those lasted what, like a week? If, if that, like, so as, as long as there's no fundamental advancements in the tech or the dynamics involved in the economics of these tokens, you're going to have things become predatory in PVP, but you can still make that. But those sorts of outsized returns tend to happen on the very tail end of the cycle when retail gets in thinking they can get rich quick and then they buy things at any price. Like that's really the dynamic here that's at play. Yeah, it's just funny to see that dilution happen so early. And it is diluted with all those little copycats, right? Like bragging rights, I, I bought Bozo Hybrid uh, relatively early, but I played the chart completely wrong. So before the 404s came out, but yeah, you see that kind of cascading. And I think we're probably going to see that on, on just about every other chain uh, coming up too, right? Like little copycats. And I mean, you're, you're spot on. It, it is... Uh, it is kind of a, a diminishing return on that as it spikes up in each different different sector and different ecosystem. But uh, I don't know. Good news. There's good news involved in this strategy. Being able to identify that this is the dynamic at play in these markets is what leads people to make money here. Like if you can identify a new narrative or a new um, something that people get hyped about that gets people off their ass and willing to deploy and take a chance on something innovative, then you have... Uh, keys to the castle like if you can find something like like ordinals and brc20 stuff is a good example of this where it's unlocking a new pool of buyers for something that hasn't happened before for them so even though like DeFi protocols have been on ethereum and all these evm chains forever bitcoin people like diehard bitcoin maxis have been very loath to touch it and they're sitting on a wealth of capital they can't really do much with they'd love to earn yield staking it they'd love to like be able to play around with lending natively on their chain without making additional trust assumptions for stuff like what they consider shit coins and so as long as you see a sort of narrative like that that taps a new pool of capital in the way that this is happening or the way that the etf is tapping a new pool of capital in TradFi buyers who up until now had no custody solutions, had no security guarantees, had no legal framework to be able to deploy their huge outsource funds into this space. That's when you can get like an actual edge on these markets. And it's not just PVPing people who might be pumping and dumping on you. Speaking of that, well, well, how, how seriously do you guys take the DRC20 guy that was was on here the other night? I, I kind of like that concept, right? So doing like doing the whole BRC20 thing, but on, on Doge, right? So you have a, a faster, more liquid chain, but. Uh... The only thing I can't figure out the Doge thing is like, does anyone actually care about Doge this season or not? That's the part I'm not sure about. Or will they care going in the next six months to a year? I don't know. Well, anytime, another anecdote for me, anytime I ask a normie about crypto over the last year, like the, the first two things that they talk about are always Bitcoin and Doge. I don't even hear people talking about Ethereum. 
So I feel like when when retail comes back, it's definitely going to have its its pump. You know, those those might live on. Yeah, I'm consistently surprised by what retail finds interesting about our space when they come in at the tail end of the cycle. Like last last time in like 2021, I was looking at a house and my realtor, he was like, oh, where'd your money come from? Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, crypto. I have crypto. I was like, oh, yeah. What, what cryptos are you excited about? And his two, top two were XRP and Hex. And it was just like, that, that's Damn it. <laughs> that's your, I mean, and those were, I mean, XRP is not new, but Hex was new at the time. So if you're trying to make the most money and optimize for that, rather than being a long-term investor in the space, you really need to be key at identifying what has normie appeal through marketability. That's completely outside your own personal bubble of opinions. Like I'm a, I'm a, I like can consider myself a longer term investor and I tend to not buy things if I know they're scams up front. So I, it keeps me out of a lot of the highest opportunity stuff like Luna or whatever. But if you want to make money, the best way is to find what is going to be the best marketed coins with the best teams that are good or have a track record of that. Like, AI 100% perfect narrative yeah. for the normies. You see it with Sora, right? And NVIDIA. I mean, yeah. So the home runs for stuff like AI probably won't be the ones that are already over a billion market cap right now. Like those are probably going to do fine, whatever. But if you can find the next one where some dedicated team of very shady slime balls are sitting there like thinking, how can we design the perfect AI narrative? And they put out a token that does nothing but promises a bunch of stuff that's easy enough for people to understand that drive your Uber. then that's just going to do so many multiples, just complete unethical life pro tip here. But that's that's where the most money will be made by people with small capital amounts. You see shit like that though makes me so bearish on the actual good prod projects like Link and Kuji. I mean, those are like legitimately good projects, right? <laughs> well, not exactly. It's just about timeframes. So I've talked about this a long ago on another one of these spaces, but this space, think of it like those sharks eating the minnows. Eventually all the minnows get eaten and the sharks don't always have to eat each other, but they're full and they have leftover fish guts they want to store somewhere. They have to park their money somewhere. And a lot of them still have that ethos of crypto is better as an alternative to traditional finance. And so that's why money tends to flow upwards into good projects over a long period of time. And why I consider things like Chainlink, Bitcoin, Ethereum to be less risky. They're still risky, but they're less risky in the long term because of that averaging in of where capital flows. So if I'm there and I like if I was completely unethical and I launched my own scam token, like in I don't know a month or something, and then I made I don't know hundred million dollars and I wrote bull. I'm not just going to take that and then put it in my checking account. I'm going to probably buy Ethereum, like you see all these people laundering money through Tornado Cash, you know. And that's what supports overall the fundamentals of larger tokens because they're underpinning all of this. There is an actual financial system. It's not all scams and grift. It's maybe one percent like real innovation, real tech, and something that has value in a broader sense beyond just like Ponzi schemes and pump and dumps. So that's what the thesis is long term and applied to something like Chainlink. It doesn't even have to be like the scammer is going to buy Chainlink because it's the most reliable. It's TradFi is going to buy it because they're trying to innovate with Web3. They're literally testing out and constantly they're public about it. You can go look at all the recent podcasts and Swift appearances and all that. They want to be able to utilize the advantages of blockchain for settlement, transparency, auditability. And there aren't that many ways to do it because most people, most teams in the space go for the quick money that's low hanging fruit to them. And so the real people building actual products like the Ethereum Foundation or like, I don't know, like Chainlink, 
they get overlooked during the hype times because that's where the hot pile of money prioritizes. People want to get rich quick. They don't want to get rich slow. But at a certain point, those tourists leave and the money continues to flow into the things that have real value. Yeah, and like the, all this, all this micro cap things are many of them are like just a high low game essentially, and like you know people that make money in those things will dump their things money into the more high conviction sort of store of value sort of aspects of some of the other projects. So it's like take Chainlink for example. Like, is it plausible that over a five to seven year time frame that it's worth somewhere north of five hundred to a thousand bucks? It's actually plausible that that could happen. Will it happen? I don't know. But like my point is like if you have a long enough time horizon and you don't lose a bunch of money in doing stupid shit, like there are some things that can definitely go up a lot that may not seem like a lot over a one year time frame. Like, you know, like let's say maybe Chainlink doesn't go to a $500 or $1,000 this year or next year or something. Um, but if it could do so in a five year time frame and you can be a little bit more certain that it does over that time frame, then it's more interesting. Um, and like, but then that requires a lot more patience and maybe a cycle or two to get there. So it's, it's, it's trickier. Yeah. Chainlink, Chainlink is in a really fun spot in that it's treading the line between like legitimate tech company and then this world of crypto grift. When people are very bad at being able to identify the differences between the two. And so you have people in crypto world look at Chainlink and think it can't pump because it's not grifting hard enough. And you have people in TradFi that look at it and they're like, oh, Chainlink, it's trying to be a tech company, but it's in this world of grift. Why would I speculate on it? But the reality is they're doing innovative stuff. They're doing it reliably. They have a, a more than competent team, probably the best team I've ever seen in crypto. And over time, capital flows towards true innovation and true development. And it's still subject to the same swings. You can still chart it. You can still see that it has a high correlation with the majors in crypto like Ethereum and Bitcoin. So when it, Bitcoin drops 60, 70%, Chainlink will probably drop 80, 90%, just like any alt. But over time, you can have novel flows into it as an asset class that Bitcoin will never capture. Things like banks buying it to be able to use its underlying platform if they ever release it. Those are things that people at a certain level of wealth prioritize in their diversification strategy because you can't get that elsewhere. Like the same reason why if I was a billionaire and I wanted exposure to like an AI sector, I might seriously consider buying into that $7 trillion round that OpenAI is trying to raise. Even though it seems silly, even though they maybe haven't achieved all their goals yet, they're well along their way. And that's just how people with capital think. They, they want to diversify. They want to have exposure to certain sectors. And outside of Chainlink, in crypto, there's not much that people with a lot of money can deploy into responsibly. So that's at least my thesis on this. Um, hopefully that clarifies for some people here. Dude, I, like, could, I could listen to you talk about that for hours, just like Sefi. Like it's uh, it's nice to have some like reassurance for, uh, for uh, you know, the, the more rational part of this paradigm. Um, for sure. You know, you, you get so caught. Well, look, chain, chain link's like one of the like coins that like, you know, adults buy essentially. Like, you know what I mean? It's like, there's all this stuff that we play games with and all the funny DeFi, you know, shenanigans and layer ones and whatever. Um, but w one other piece of this is that like, you can have infinite layer ones now. So the problem is like, you know, what is actual block space worth? What is the next lending borrowing protocol really worth? Um, and you basically has, have like a huge fragmentation of liquidity. And if you believe in Chainlink's mission, then the more blockchains there are, the better. And the, the, the chain that ends up getting all the benefits from all those blockchains ends up being Chainlink at the end. So that's kind of the bull thesis on that. But that requires quite a bit of time and implementation. 
that will happen over the next several years. It's just not a snap of the finger type of thing. So, uh, but like, you know, the, and the general public, I like, the other thing I like about it is the general public has no idea what it is. And there's the alpha, right? Like the fact that like almost nobody except people within the chain community get it. Um, and maybe some ETH people do cause like, you know, arbitrum and optimism and whatnot are connected to it. Um, and once all of that stuff goes full mainnet soon, then uh, like the buzz will pick up a bit more. Um, but I like the fact that like it hasn't run. I mean, like, the, you know, it consolidated at ten dollars and below, and now it's at twenty or eighteen or something. It's like quite literally done nothing yet, and therefore there's very little of the new activity that's priced in because nobody knows what the actual new activity is. It takes quite a while to spread this narrative. And um, the alpha is being early. When you hear everyone else talking about it and realizing what it is, it's just, you know, it'll be priced way higher. So, you know, like, you know, when it's $100, everyone will be think they're a genius understanding what it is by that point. The point is knowing what it is now, not later. <laughs> like, and so you can allocate accordingly. Yeah. It's kind of my thesis there. Yeah, absolutely. Even better though, the real alpha alpha is that not just retail doesn't understand it, crypto native funds don't understand it. If you go and you look on any discussion about oracles, any a discussion on like the monolithic versus modularity thesis, on where the value capture is going to rest long-term in this space, almost none of them have a fucking clue. People in this space that are in charge of huge amounts of capital and are responsible for deploying it, and they have a fiduciary duty to make investments, at least in a semi-legal way, they fall into two camps. They're either trying their best they're trying to find the next big thing that will capture fees and be used. And they make bets on things like options protocols in this space, or like they might think that layer there's going to be one winner take all layer one, like Ethereum's going to capture all the fees. All the other ones are temporary and it's all going to flow back to ETH. Uh, and then there's just straight grifters, right? Like the other type of fund is like people that pretend to be that first one, but then they're actually just like pumping Ponzi's every day. But both of those are missing the mark on Chainlink because they're under false pretenses for where value capture happens. And a lot of them, tend to have misaligned incentives where, I mean, I work for a fund. I network still to this day with a lot of people that work for funds and funds. They are missing the mark so much because they're under false pretenses for where the value actually is in the space. And it's a much longer conversation than I can afford for this, this call. But basically what Sefi's saying is true. If you believe in say like a multi-chain thesis and you look at the actual tokenomic structure of existing multi-chain solutions, their security guarantees, the teams working on them, the security and the fee aggregation for other single layer chain uh, chains, like monolithic, modular, it doesn't matter. The end result rationally is that the value flows to the thing that sits above them in the tech stack. The thing that can connect them, that is a, a dependency for when you're building in Web3. Not something that you can choose to replace. And, and has... And has a couple of features too, a reliable fee structure. So the thing is like the, many of the layer zero type solutions, um, the, the most obvious one that everyone here probably knows is Cosmos yeah. IBC is a hub and spoke model, which is a way less efficient and fragments liquidity quite a lot. Um, and there's no actual fee structure for the freaking thing. So like the validators are sort of doing it on a volunteer basis, which is weird. Um, and without a, a fee structure, you don't have a basis for growth of that ecosystem it has to there has to be money being made by somebody otherwise the, the eventually like the money runs out and um, it doesn't work and so i think they've seems to have they seem to have addressed most of those concerns and having been like majority like cosmos related you know like um you know like in terms of my investments and where i play over the past couple of years last several years really like 
the the thing that I have a problem with with Cosmos is is the the IBC thing is just a piece of shit user experience still. Like it's just not that great. Like if you use Kepler and all that, you like you have no fucking clue like which coin you're putting where and where it's going and whatever. And yeah, you get it eventually. You're like, okay, this is a coin, it's on a chain. And I move to this chain, okay, but then why can't I move this coin to that chain? Right? Like why can't I move my atom from osmosis over to you know, like, why can't I move over to, you know, uh, the Kujira directly? Dude, I have to, right? I I don't have have to relearn channel. it in six-month intervals. I've been doing it since 2021, and I have to keep relearning it. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So the, this is not normie-friendly. Um, there's only a certain number, amount of scale that can happen with that, unfortunately. And so the hub-and-spoke model, I think, is largely, in my view, like, led to this bull market's, like, rise of a bunch of Cosmos coins. But at the same time, like, I think that the big growth next season will be everything that has CCIP connected is my guesstimation. Um, you know, just because like it's it, the user experience is so much better when you have like a coin and you can just freely move it from one chain to the other. And somebody else, a layer zero handles the liquidity layer for the rest of that. So the way it works is like, let's say I'm a blockchain. I have a community pool and I take 2% of my community pool, dump it into CCIP and then pair it with the like either link token or whatever else you have to pair it with to make this work. And you can basically just immediately transfer from your coin straight to Ethereum through the CCIP link without having to do anything else. And that coin is canonical, meaning when I transmit from, let's say, Kujira with CCIP, and I transmit it to Ethereum, to Optimism, let's say. I could take that same coin, the exact one, without having to do any kind of other bridging. I can send that straight to, say, for example, Arbitrum, or I could send it then to whatever. You know, any chain that connects CCIP, you do not have to, like, unbridge that token and, like, unwrap yeah, it and then move it That's what I was there. talking about earlier, like, a couple of days ago, to you, Sethi, the, uh, um, uh, fuck, owning chains? Um, coins like uh, any, any, any you? You could do that with. Um, wait, like who? What? Like somebody else is trying to create something similar? Omni chains. I'm sorry, I mispronounced it. But yeah, um, like wormhole coins, like uh, any Inu, does something just like that, where you don't need to send your atom to Coinbase, sell it for USDC, and then and then buy another fucking coin. You know. Just, no, no, no. We're talking about cross-chain, uh, just sending cha- coin from one chain to the other that's completely unrelated. Yeah, that, that's what I'm talking about. He's, he's so talking about building a token that is natively cross-chain. Like, it basically has atomic swaps built in. Those Omnichain coins yes. were kind of hot last year. Yeah. Yeah, it's, so, there's all sorts anyway. of different approaches. I got to bounce, but before I go, I highly recommend anyone who's got actual questions about this stuff, go to the Chainlink documentation page and reach through their approach to bridging and then compare it to all their alternatives, and then you'll see the difference. Thanks for having me on, Sophie. Yep. Take care. Yeah, good catching up with you, Jay. I was um, going yeah, to ask about CCIP versus CCTP, if there was any uh, correlation or difference. Yes. Because uh, I know Noble is doing CCTP, but I, I, that's as far yes. as I've got to it. Elaborate, please. So CC, CCTP uh, is Circle Corporation's uh, sort of like uh, integration. And the way CCTP works is any chain that incorporates the CCTP protocol um, will basically get... By the way, can you guys hear me okay? It's like my... I can. Yeah, you're good. Not anymore. Now you're gone. (laughs) (laughs) The perfect time for me to howl at the moon by saying, oh, don't fucking yeah.
And by the way, yes, it is kind of crazy how the retail shit is aggregated to Doge. Oh, sorry. Back to some real conversation. I apologize. Hold on. My outburst is finished. No, you're good. Sir, can you turn the sound down, please? We can hear you, Safi. Okay, can you hear now? Yes. Okay. All right. So um, anyway, um, I was going to say, so the, the Circle CCTP, what that is, is if your blockchain incorporates that algorithm, that protocol, then you have a mint burn mechanism where you can take Circle USDC and it will mint burn on any other um, like site that has that thing so that you only have one version of that coin floating around. So every single chain would have to incorporate CCTP individually, which makes no sense at all. Because the problem is, then the only thing that you can transmit is actual Circle tokens. Um, and you have to assume that like, you know, real world assets and a whole bunch of other things are going to be incorporated by other companies. So you legitimately, what you need is you need a, a, a third party to build a, you know, the bridging platform, which is what Chainlink has done. And that third party has to be trusted by everybody, have to be decentralized and has to be cross compatible with everything else. So for example, Circle does not issue Tether on CCTP. So by, by definition, it's like semi-useless in that sense. It's made to benefit Circle more than it's made to benefit um, other chains. Because here's the thing, like let's say Circle creates one thing and Tether creates something else and Noble creates something else and Axler or something else. You have to create like all these bridging uh, codes onto your chain. And who the hell wants to do that? So the beauty of CCIP is you only have to incorporate that one protocol and you can go to anywhere for anything. And even Circle is actually incorporated into CCIP already. So you don't really need C you don't need um, the Circle one anymore, in a sense. Because if you incorporate the CCIP instead, you get Circle USDC anyway. So I think Noble and Axelar and whatever, all of those things ultimately become obsolete. Like, they're not necessary when you have CCIP. It's that simple. So, like, most of the protocols we see in Cosmos become obsolete. And Cosmos need to wake up to that shit really quickly. Like the developers aren't really talking about it very much, but it's a mistake um, because you'll like this season, everyone's excited because Cosmos is getting busier. And, you know, like the hub and spoke model is people having fun playing games, moving tokens around their Kepler wallet and shit. But the problem is, is that like that becomes obsolete relatively quickly. And with CCIP, the user experience is so much easier, like because you don't have to care about what chain you're on at all the end user won't even know what chain they're on with CCIP. That's how straightforward it is. Like you go to your DAP, you hook up, it works. And it doesn't matter if you're in Cosmos or Ethereum or whatever, it doesn't make any difference. And the thing is like, Cos the only Cosmos chain I know that has incorporated CCIP is Sommelier, which is the SOMM token. That's Zucky Mannion's uh, thing. And they brought assets into Cosmos uh, using that system. But anyway, that's the idea behind it. Um, but it's a competitor to... Um, it's competitors, basically Cosmos IBC, essentially, is what it is. But uh, Cosmos IBC is hub and spoke. Like, it's very different. The easiest way to remember this and I, like, is if you think of a, like, a bunch of buildings in a city, uh, the hub and spoke model works that every single building in the city would have to have a subway station like, that goes to every single other building, which means you can't just have like, a train that goes from building to building to building. And you just stop on each station. Literally, there has to be a line from every single building to every single building. Because with Cosmos, the, the way IBC works, the, the token is specific to that channel. And you have to create a tokenized version of that coin or a bridge token specifically to go to building A to building B. 
you can't create a token that goes from building A to building A, B, C, D, and I mean, B, C, D, you know, et cetera, all of the other buildings. So the difference here would be like with Chainlink would be there's a gigantic swimming pool under Manhattan. Every, every single building that puts a pipe down into that swimming pool can access every other building that is in that swimming pool. Does that make sense? That's the simplest like anal- like visual analogy. And once you sort of get that, you realize, wait a minute, then all it, all a company has to do, that'd be like, like every company on the, in the world puts an HDMI port on the back of their television set. That's all you have to do if you're a blockchain and you want to have access to all these assets. And right now, maybe you think, well, maybe this doesn't matter, whatever, whatever. But the thing is, if Chainlink does half of what they're going to say, if they incorporate SWIFT or DTCC, which is stocks or the banking system, then every chain's going to have to connect to that anyway. And at which point, like all of this other shit was just a waste of time, right? Because if you got to connect to it anyway, who the hell is going to create like a hub and smoke model and connect to CCIP? Now you have a bunch of disparate assets all over the place. Like how many versions of you know USDC do you want? You want the Noble version? You want the CCIP version? You want the um, you know Axlar version? And you want what the... You see, my, you see the problem? You get fragmentation of the various assets and even the issuers of those assets. Let's say your stock market, you know, who the hell wants to come up, figure out like which chain has what asset and which chain went down and which wasn't and whatever, right? So like, when you have with CCIP, you have a record of where everything actually is and you don't have duplications of assets. Like there's not two of the same Apple stock floating around or whatever because you, you have this all sorted out within the CCIP system. That, that's kind of the difference. Um, and I think well, the difference like side, it's orders of yeah. magnitude different than anything else around. And I think the market just doesn't understand this yet. Like it's that well, simple. Like you don't hear anyone in DeFi talking about it on, on, on Twitter spaces or nothing, right? The only people talking about it are the people that have either incorporated already or people at Chainlink or whatever. But I haven't heard any Cosmos DeFi space where like, oh yeah, we're gonna incorporate CCIP because it's competitive. And so that's well, super, super bearish for me. I keep saying I keep messaging the different Cosmos people, I'm like, you need to get your fucking shit out of your ass and uh, your head out of your ass and start figuring this out because otherwise you're going to become very uncompetitive very quickly. Um, they even have an NFT platform too. So it's like once you have a chain link NFT, um, you have that that data incorporated into CCIP, you can go anywhere to sell your NFTs um, versus like just being stuck on one particular blockchain or something like that. So it's super interesting anyway. Well, since XLR is, you know, positioned as a bridge chain, what if they incorporated CCIP? Wouldn't that extend by proxy to the rest of the yeah, chain? Any, any other comments about that whole thing? But that, that was the that was the bull thesis for like why I put outsized amounts in chain link versus other things. Can you guys hear me? I can hear you, madman. I think Seth, you can't though. Sefi, are you there? I don't think Sefi can hear us. Yeah, he's having some connection issues. Sefi, can you hear anybody? Everybody give Sefi a thumbs down. Just a second. This way he knows that uh, nobody can hear him. Sefi. I think it's really bad to spoken secretly that PCIP is being plotted again. Can you hear me yet? We can hear you, man. I don't think you can hear us. No. Hold up yeah, a second. Can you hear us? Can't hear us. This place is about the rug, I think. How are we doing now? Can you hear us? We can hear you. Back now? <laughs> Someone Sefie. say something. Sefi. We're, we're all saying all something. Speaking. We're all speaking. I can hear you guys. 
Give them emojis. Let them know. Hold up. Let me close out the space and come back one second. Uh-oh. He doesn't have a co-host. Nope. Just going to have to log back on. By the way, kind of, can you guys hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. Oh, uh, yeah. Some... We're on DRC20, by the way. So please keep going. <laughs> it's kind of funny. Actually, what he's talking about is already kind of implemented. Or is planning on being implemented on the indexer level around like Bitcoin and Doge. Hey, well, sorry. It's my kiddo deciding to join the Twitter conversation over here. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like already being implemented itself. Like we're archetyping that in a way so that like the indexers, which will, because it reimagines, it reimagines the schema that you'd have to build in terms of like protocol to infrastructure to actual chain. So the indexers could like effectively function as an Oracle slash like canonical device to like hold all the data, but also just like, you know, be the ones who can actually like perform a native kind of like swap functionality across these tokens itself, which is kind of interesting to think about, right? It's a, I guess it's like, um, I wouldn't, uh, it's a, it's a differentiated like uh, CCIP kind of implementation, like native to the UTXO environment. Yeah. It's a UTXO specific thing, I think. Right. Yeah, exactly. So like the things that are going on right now is that like, there's a couple of teams actually on the Bitcoin L1 that are trying to think about this. Like funnily, actually, if anyone's coming to Denver, like there's a panel I'm putting together on this um, with a few people that are all building on this vertical. So you, you also come check it out. Um, but yeah, it, it's, it's specifically to the UTXO environment. So it wouldn't be like something that theoretically could go from like Bitcoin to like, I don't know, like to ETH or Cosmos or anything like that, you would have to go then through some kind of like interoperability layer. And of course there's like problems with that. So maybe it goes for like from something like Bitcoin and Dogecoin and Litecoin, if these kind of models are implemented to something like CCIP. Yeah, exactly. So like the CCIP is not meant to necessarily like solve all problems for everything. It's meant to be just a pure um, intermediary. So like, for example, <clears throat> Swift or somebody, you know, Swift has their own software already, right? They have a, they have a schema in place. So all they would do is basically plug into the CCIP system and now their liquidity can flow, you know, the data can flow through this space. They're not trying to necessarily like reinvent the Swift architecture necessarily. They're trying to just get T plus zero um, transaction times on all of these things. Um, same with stocks, you know, like settlement times are, you know, slow for stock market because when you go buy something in the stock market, let's say on, on your brokerage app, you buy a stock and then it takes a day or two or whatever it takes to settle that stock. Like you can't immediately sell that stock unless you have a day trading account, because if you, it's an it's a violation, it's an SEC violation. If you um, buy a stock, day trade it, sell it, but you don't actually have like you haven't actually gotten the actual stock in your possession. So if anyone who trades on stock market will notice this, like you don't actually own the stock for like a day or two. Um, and if you go to a bank, you'll notice that like um, bank transactions may take a day or two to actually, you know, get get across. And that's what this most of these things are T plus two or like two days or something. Um, and Chainlink's trying to go convert these system to T plus zero. So a lot of banks and whatever are have been thinking about this for a very long time. But the problem is, like, <clears throat> you want to have, like, a trust 
you have to trust minimize these things because it's going to be a power struggle between say, well, Swift came up with this system and DTCC came up with that system. And not only that, but like one country is going to have one series of things, another country, something else. You need to have like a credible third party that is like a consortium that ultimately creates a system that everyone's willing to use. So I think what Chainlink basically did is they went to the biggest industry players like Swift and DTCC and they said, hey, uh, you know, how do we build this for you so that you, it's useful for you? And so they used whatever parameters they felt were needed from those those groups and um, and then said, and because they already know what's needed for crypto, like that's just obvious. Um, you know, those issues are less are more straightforward. Um, and everyone knows all the bridging problems, bridge risks and all the hacks and shit that people have had, billions of dollars of hacks last year, you know, Ronin Bridge and, you know, like a variety of blockchains got brought to their knees because of bridge hacks and whatever. Um, and you can't have that anymore. So, you know, for when the adults are in the room, like bridge hacks are not going to be acceptable. Like you can't, you have to have a bulletproof system. And that's where, um, where that comes in. And Chainlink specifically is like, it's not a blockchain. That's the thing to always keep in mind. It's a scalable like network of computers. And it's, it's a very different, um, it's a very different implementation of what, what we think of with blockchain. Um, but the user experience is going to be quite amazing when you hook everything up with it. It's pretty cool. You know, I have to, I have to tell Bruce about my, uh, ox, ox dot fund positions here and what's happening. If he's uh, able to come up, yeah, Fetch is taking a big dump. Actually, all of my AI coins are. Oh, are they dumping hour. now for some reason? Yeah, yeah. Oh, for crying out loud! I was going to brag about how good I was doing. Um, <laughs> Fetch, Fetch is just over a dollar now, down from a dollar fifteen. So, oh, tense. really? It dumped that much? Damn yeah. it! Oh no! Wait, maybe it's a dollar six. Hang on, let me take a look. Um, yeah, yeah, everything kind of pumped on that, like NVIDIA news, basically. So I was trying to see here. Um, where's my, where's my dashboard here? Let's see. Yeah, fetch is a dollar for. Not Good sure job. if Bruce was able to connect. Oh, man, I was up like 25,000 ox a little bit ago. And now I'm down minus 550. <laughs> oh, well. <laughs> is that perps platform that Bruce had me try to try? How lame is that? Hmm. Guys, I gotta get the dip. I gotta go be a dad uh, and yeah. give my kid a bath. But dude, it was always dope chopping it up with you guys. Uh, yeah, super cool. fun space. Keep us cool. keep Catch us later. posted on DRC twenty, man, because that's uh, I'm definitely looking. Dude, I'll tell you when we're coming out, man. It'll be wild. Actually, just sign up for our testnet. And actually, if you want to learn about it, like, dude, if you're coming to East Denver, come to the panel. It's on March no, the second. Dude, I've got a full time job and uh, and working on a business too. There's, I wish I could though. I totally would. Man, you're too grown up. Bruce, stop giving me thumbs downs, man. Every single time I see Well, I, I like you, Drew, but you, you sometimes fall into pussy talk. <laughs> if you care about crypto, get your fucking ass to eat Denver. Spoken yeah. like a true poet. I'll just, tell my, <laughs> I'll, I'll just tell my boss to get fucked. Book a plane ticket. Tell my fiance to get fucked. Book a plane ticket. <laughs> tell my brother to get fucked. It's one of those things. Do you care about your lineage or not? There's basically one major opportunity here to get rich, to network, no, I'm, to I'm meet the right that, people, to meet fellow arms. founders. Are you going to seize it or are you just going to sit there in your office job being a loser? I mean, it's been so, so many years now. 
it's all I know. Being a loser. Cool. We'll see. And on that note, I got a dim. <laughs> Catch you later, man. Deuces, man. Later, guys. That's uh, that's Bruce. That was brilliant peer pressure in action. I like it. Thank you. Hmm. You know what? I think I'm going to go a little bit more aggressive with this fat long here. By the way, um, you can size up <laughs> so long as you monitor your. The, the cool thing about cross-margin trading is you can hedge it really well. Like if something is going down in price a lot, then you have mm -hmm. uh, a much lower liquidation on the long you've got. Yeah. Well, I'm, so what happened was, um, like, so I opened that fetch uh, long and I was up like 25,000 ox as of like, I don't know, an hour ago. And for some reason it dumped again. Who really cares like what the reason is? Like at this point, it's back to my original position. And I'm pretty convinced like fetch is gonna run past high. It's at a buck five right now. So I'm gonna add to this long you're a, you're here. A 3x leverage, right? What's your liquidation price at that? Uh liquidation price is 70 cents. So I'm pretty safe still. Of course, like unless the ox collateral goes down in value for some reason, which I guess if someone dumps on me, it could happen. It, it shouldn't, generally, because uh, a big fat whale is buying everything under a cent. Okay, well that's good. So let's try here with something. Um, mm, all right, I'm going to put a new market perp, and I want to add to the same position. I'm having fun. It's ox dot fun, so you have to have fun. So if you have, if you guys haven't played with this, is pretty interesting. It's pretty entertaining. Uh, let's see. Let's have how much margin ratio. Like okay. Now remind me here, but is eighteen percent margin ratio like high? on this thing or what like, no that, that's pretty low 100 percent. that's low 100 like, would be like insta liquidate mm, okay um so 18 percent's fine okay so let me just kind of like add to this because i had like uh 2500 contracts before i'm gonna add a thousand more here and let's see how that goes okay good and then um but by the way the mission number two like I did something wrong, but am I like, what do I do to get that again? It's like, I have to get ox and then do what? Like ox USD perps and I uh, to sorry, do I a Somebody mission two. Like what was I supposed to do on mission two? Oh, mission two. You want to look at the mark price for ox, whatever that is right now. Right. And then you want to um, multiply that by 0.95. And then maybe add a few fractions of a cent. Oh, okay. So I think I did this wrong so this time. That mission is like make a bid within 5% of the mark price. So it doesn't need to hit. It just needs to be on the order book for some period of time, usually a few minutes. Um, so wait a minute. Like, so the, the mark price. Mm -hmm. um, so right now is 0 0.01064. Multiply that by 0.95. Mm-hmm. To to find five percent less. Um okay, so it has to be only five percent less. Okay. W within within five percent. Mm. Okay, I think so typically okay. you would typically you would uh times it by 0.95, then add a tiny bit. Now why why what was it where is this five percent number coming from? Like what's the purpose of that? Like, I don't understand that. <laughs> well, you, you could argue it's <laughs> just one way of, of filling up the order books. 
Um, okay, just okay. It's yeah. a simple way to do it, but like okay. And um, I mean, why why missions? It's a way of but, it's a way of. But getting you do liquidity. it as a limit order. You do it as limit order, right? Yep. So it doesn't need to hit. <clears throat> and your margin ratio on this one should be what? Um, it it doesn't really matter too much because you should be conservative and quick enough that it doesn't hit anyway. I see. Okay. So, all right. Fair enough. Yeah, the margin ratio gets trickier because now that I have more positions open, it's like, you know, there, there's already a margin ratio like mm. listed. So you're now you're adding to that. It's not as easy. Yeah. To but okay, I get what all I would say is try and keep it reasonably hedged in both directions. Hmm. Okay. But now that Sefi's doing it, you know, I'll get on there real quick and uh, and wreck me, make a hit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, knock me out just for fun. Okay, I've uh, got uh, like a long on. I forgot what I've got. I think I've got a long on some some one of those AI coins, and then I've got a short on uh, J two O J two J T O. Okay, like some. Shit, yeah. I think some it's some soul shitcoin thing that's heavily inflationary. Let me have a look. But it's one of those things that if soul starts pumping, it'll go up, right? Probably. Um, I think it'll still go down. <laughs> but let me just uh, try and log on. Yeah, Noob accused me of, uh, I'm getting paid to steal Ox because you gave me money to play on here. <laughs> I'm like, all right. I'm now a paid shiller, guys. Or something. <clears throat> yeah, by technicality. That's actually pretty funny. But you pointed that out. Fucking yeah, it's basically on. true. It seems true, yeah. I feel dirty I mean, it's all in good fun, though. It's, it's, it's like speaking speaking about it out of interest, but... Yeah, definitely got you on a technicality there. Cheap marketing for them. Um, Bruce, how big of an order was this supposed to be? I don't remember, like, to make it move fast. Um, often on the order books, too, there's, there's an existing order that is, like, 5% below, and you can sort of hide underneath it with size. So that's pretty decent as well. Let me have a look. So, um, that size. This is all video game money. We're just messing around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, typically, <laughs> it's typically, I think they say 5% of your ox balance. So if you have 100K, you would have like at least 5,000 or something. Hmm. Okay. So maybe I did it too small then that a thousand contracts, but I, I think it's also time weighted. So the larger your, your bid, the, the faster it takes. So it doesn't really matter. Like if you make a smaller bid, even if you make one, I don't know, maybe not one ox, but if you make a hundred ox bid or something, it might take the whole day. Whereas if you bid 10,000 ox, it might take minutes. Yeah, that's my problem. So I have to go up on that, I think. Let's see if it'll go faster now. Yep. And then uh, so long as it's within 5%, and if you refresh at the top, then you'll be able to see the, the completion. Mm, within 5%. Okay. 
think it is. Um, 0.0106 versus 0.0101. That sounds about right. Mm, but it's, the mission's not moving yet. <laughs> That's why I'm confused. My well, other what, two are. Have you, have you checked it's within 5% of the mark price? 5% of the mark price. Um, I think I did. Like, it was... Okay. Oh, you... Mm, maybe, maybe I rounded the wrong direction or something. Maybe, maybe I Maybe you did. You can, usually go, you can usually go closer than 5%. It's not too, too risky for a couple of minutes of volatility or whatever. What, what, what is yours? 0.0101 or something? I'm at 0102 now, so I'm a little higher. Oh, that, yeah, easily. And if you look get... on the order books, there's a bid there for... Oh, now, uh, now it's moving. Now the little bar is moving. Yeah, and it's if you look on the order books as well, there's a bid at um, 0.0105 for 100 million ox. So some fat cat has bidded. That means you could basically tuck underneath him and have him as the like buffer. Kind of the shield. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, like the, the meat, the meat layer, the cannon fodder. Yeah, the little missions, I guess, are designed to sort of teach you about the platform, kind of. Yeah, teach you about the platform, get people trading, get people using it, um, fill up the books with liquidity, make it fun, get people into a routine or a ritual, which is pretty important as well. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice. With time, they'll be tweaked a little bit. Like, they might be made harder or easier or whatever, depending on how many people can do them. But um, it attracts that sort of... Uh, that crowd that likes games and uh, who come up with strategies to do it more easily. And then, I mean, we could do things as well. Like um, we could have alternative missions. Like these are the core three missions, but you can imagine a world where you can complete all of the missions easily. If you manage to like uh, double your money in one day or something, right? If you go, you could have a degen route. You could have lots of different missions. It doesn't necessarily have to be just these three. Yeah, I did get paid for the first mission. I got like, oh, was it like 450 ox or something? Nice. Isn't that what it is? Like something like that. Because um, you said it was like 6%, not 6%, like 0 0.06 or something? Yeah, 200% a year. So whatever that breaks down as like 0.6% like or something. So basically it's designed like for doubling your bag over a year if you do the missions basically tripling yeah oh it's tripling yeah sorry but then you also have uh ox exposure too so whatever happens the price i mean with time although it's it, it's relatively time, early in the platform huh like yeah so i mean it's very early and also know. with time it will probably become more difficult because you could say um objectively when designing something like this we might want the missions easier to start with get people into a ritual, get, get people joining. Um, and also so we can play with the difficulty later, make it a bit harder. Like for instance, to make it more difficult, we might increase the amount you need to bid or something or increase the volume or whatever. Um, because obviously the, the platform can't bleed infinite ox and have sell pressure that way. It needs to be sort of net positive in the long run. Um, but yeah, like it's very early on and the missions are very easy right now. So it's basically free ox for everyone.
it's basically like promotional promotional yield essentially um i mean it, it's sustainable in the sense of the model being being long-term sustainable but it might be uh be made more difficult with time depending on how many users manage to complete it every day like right now it's a relatively high percentage of users who manage to do it every day um how many how many users have you been adding like there's uh, i think adding? there's around 2000 users on the platform right now mm. and some decent portion using it every day but yeah early, very early days like rolling out products and stuff it's sort of um raw raw beginning of a startup i'm glad drew mentioned that my, that fat bag was dropping cuz i got I made like I'm back up to five thousand positive ox <laughs> because I got a bigger perp. Just added to the position. I like hey, this. Say privacy. I don't. Oh, I don't usually. I like this in the sense that I don't usually do a lot of like. Not usually or a lot. I don't do any leverage anything usually, um, but in this case, like if you feel really good about a specific setup somewhere. Like, hey, this thing broke like its last fib to all time high or something like that. Mm, you know, you could you could make the justification of making a directional gamble, especially early in a bull market. And uh, yeah, that's like what I did with this fetch thing, right? Like, I figured, hey, this thing's going to go run to five to ten bucks, a couple of fibs up off the top, and it reached the top just like almost to the top, just like today, and then it like you know got crushed a little bit just now because you know there's going to be some selling, whatever. But if you put you put your position in a place where it's like your liquidation level is sufficiently low enough and you have enough collateral, um, then you can definitely make some um, gains doing this for sure, like besides the fun. Yeah. I mean, it's pretty cool as well to have a position you could, you want to short and a position you want to long at the same time. Um, and then it sort of uh, balances your risk. Or maybe maybe you pull off a very successful short and you're – your long liquidation goes way down because it's cross margin, um, because you're getting essentially like more collateral through that PNL. Um, and then also it's kind of interesting because if you're independently bullish on ox and you have ox positions, then if you take a long on FET and ox doubles, your liquidation essentially gets twice as low because your ox collateral is double. So it's kind of interesting. Like it's a, especially at the start of a platform like this and maybe uh, a lower ox price then effectively you can gain upside in minimizing the risk on your positions as well. So later on though, wouldn't you have to, like let's say the market is getting frothy and whatever, because um, you're trading with ox as your collateral. So let's say the ox valuation is like much, much higher than it is now. And your intuition is that maybe like the market's getting hot and maybe ox could go down in value. I mean, in that, in that case, yeah. it might be more logical to, to short or something. But wouldn't like, you wouldn't you have to almost like whatever else you're doing, wouldn't you have to short some ox just to kind of like hedge that bet? You could do, yeah. Or you could have um short positions in general. Whatever. It's yeah, it's it, but it's it's um more chaos and more strategy. Like there's objectively more upside and, and more downside with something like this, which makes it fun and interesting and like more of a sort of a, a game lover or problem solvers thing. Yeah, it's 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 objectively like pretty wild and pretty crazy. I mean, it's basically what we were doing with Luna on Anchor. It's pretty much like your your it's, collateral um, is itself unstable. So that's yeah. the thing. Quite early on in this, I was like, I reckon we'll be successful if we realize that. I mean, to the team, 
uh, I was like, I realize, I think we'll be successful if we realize that what people love about crypto is really the game of it. And if you look at the old lunar ecosystem, what people were doing, they were really playing a game, right? They were immersed in the game, like looping on anchor, using prism, trying to uh, get yield in different ways. And um, most of the successful things in crypto in general appeal to that sort of game-like thing in people's brains where they think they can can like enter a platform, think about it really hardcore, strategize, try and get above other users, um, work out how to win against them. You know, like all this stuff, it's, it's, it's key to, to get in that game mindset. And with a platform like this, it's like we're taking normal trading and we're turning it into much more of a game than other platforms. And then this will expand with time in different ways. Um, so yeah, that's the idea, like appealing to those same kind of people. Um, and I think it is like a, a good start so far and pretty fun. And people are liking getting into the ritual now. Ryan Lyon down there is doing it every day. Um, I'm doing it most days. You are sort of enjoying it already. Um, and then you have also the upside of Ox potentially as well and the way that affects all the positions. So it's sort of like hmm, an interesting thing to do right now to get involved in early. Um, because you have all of those dynamics that can unfold over time. What platform is this, Coach? I know you said it yesterday. Oh, but... it's, uh, the website is ox.fun. You might need to Ox. you Fun. might need to to fly to Hawaii. To Hawaii, Hawaii or Africa, or maybe Paris. Right, Hawaii would be better. Fuck Paris. Paris sucks. I mean, it depends on your preference in, in women and stuff. Demon wants a Polynesian girl. We're just talking about using the, the platform. Not We don't need to worry about like which woman is where, I don't think, at this moment. No, but it, it's like if you're in America then you probably want to fly out of America. And if you're going to fly out of America, you might as well go where there's good women. Oh yeah. Fuck Paris. I was there a month ago. Place sucks balls. Thank you for your contribution. Hey, anyways, I was just actually taking a look at the link to BTC chart. It looks like it's about to bottom. Any opinions on that? Ooh, link BTC. Um, yeah, it kind of did like a little rejection off of its like fib, uh, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, like, uh, like it would, it would benefit my bags if it goes up. So, I was hoping it goes on its big run the next couple of months, uh, heading off to all time high. I was guessing like around April is where that where it goes there, but I don't know for sure. That's the theory. Um, it was just going off this idea that like last time Link went from five bucks to like twenty bucks back. I'm sorry, five bucks to its all time high back in uh, the last season. It took about three hundred eight days. Um, 308 days from when we were $5 is last time up until high would be right around, I don't know, April 15th or so. So pretty close. So the velocity, if it picks up, it can definitely move there quick to within two months, I think, uh, you know, unless, you know, who knows the rest of the market does whatever. So maybe three to four months, I think going back to all time high is very, very feasible. Awesome. I'll keep loading up the bags. Yeah, I got some more like uh, at about eighteen twenty and stuff. I think yesterday or today. I can't remember when. What's your opinion? Okay, if uh, BTC starts pulling back, would Link start pulling back with it, or would Link technically outperform BTC if that happens? Because 
link to BTC chart would be bottoming? Yeah, it's possible. Um, definitely that can happen. Uh, where like you'll have a coin that runs even though BTC drops. Um, and of course, then the BTC link chart will look really good. Uh, like you said, uh, yeah, it's, it's possible. Um, I think like the, what is it? $16 link or something is kind of like the, the, or 16 or 17, the top of this recent sort of three month consolidation type period. And we dropped to 18 just today. So I think we've basically been correcting already here in this area. So it looks pretty good. Uh, looks fine to me. Would look better around twelve or so. Oh, you mean thirteen to buy? 12. Yeah, but the thing is, like, you already, <laughs> you already had a what three, four month range in that. So, in a bull market, like wishing for twelve at this point is probably largely wishful thinking. That's why I, I bought more at eighteen. I was like eighteen twenty, half ah, fine. Why not? I'll get some. And so I just topped off a little bit more. Um, so each each dip, I'll just get more. Um for the maybe the next couple of months and then if it starts to run like it heads off to 32 then i'll be done buying anything at this point so i think anything under like 20 bucks is basically reasonable um reasonable from chain link's perspective and do I, you that would just wait yeah do you think i loaded up below that but i might get some more here if it stays around where it is what are you saying do you think maybe link um under market or you think it'll eventually wake up um well it's uh <clears throat> it's basically run one two three four fibs off the bottom so it has uh outperformed a little bit um because if you take total three which is the entire like you know altcoin marketplace I think total three is only up three fibs off the bottom. So Chainlink slightly outperformed. Uh, Solana made it to its like fifth fib level before the very top. And a lot of the AI shit has already like run to that level. So Chainlink's not doing bad, assuming that you bought it like, you know, close to the bottom. If you bought it at $7 and below, you're doing pretty good now. Um, so yeah, as far as outperforming the overall market, man, I don't know. Like, um, it depends on what you bought and when and whatever. Right? So, uh, cause the thing is like, everyone looks at these crypto charts and they're like, Oh yeah, like, I got, you know, it's look, it's up seven X, whatever. Yeah. But like how many people actually bought the very, very bottom, like very few, um, probably nobody. Yeah. Very few. I mean, it's just, it's, it, those bottoms last for like, you know, a day or two and maybe a few people added a few, you know, a little bit of volume there. But if you look at like the chain link, for example, it's, con it's, Average was like around $7 for about a year and a half, right? So you can assume that most people here, or most people, most people that bought during the bear market are approximately up like a 2 to 3x on it. That's all. So the good thing is there's a lot of upside still in it. Um, on the other hand, uh, Sergey is selling, dumping on us from time to time. So there's that. <laughs> but it's fine. It's not a big deal. I think there's a lot of upside to it. I mean, I've been dollar cost averaging up on the bitch. I was down there close to seven something. Now I'm like eight, almost nine bucks. Yeah, I just looked at my average. It's, like across, it's come up to like thirteen now. Yeah, and that's why I might. I wanted it to come down a little bit lower so I could stay under ten, but I might load up. I think, dude, I'm just like you. That's one of my like long term holds. So yeah, I think you could leave it alone for like 
it's one where if you don't want to gamble a bag, you just want to like see what happens and like, you know, retire on the thing or whatever. This is one of those that could do really, really well long term. Like thousand dollars yeah. chain link and 20 bucks mm-hmm. 25 bucks is a good buy-in i, I think so mm-hmm. anybody who's wanting to get into it dude that's a perfect buy-in if you're just trying to you got some extra cash laying around and you're wanting to let it sit for the next three to five years it depends like if it, I think if you'll it doesn't do good on if it. it doesn't eth run this season um so this is cycle two for chain link if it does an eth style run you're, you're basically going to like 250 to 500 bucks something like that in terms of percentage gain off the bottom, if you use that as a method. Um, is that actually feasible? Is it like even possible from market caps perspective? It is possible. But again, to get to these kind of wild levels also assumes that the entire market's going crazy. So like BTC is running 150K plus and you know, whatever else, you know, if the yeah, it would, it would have 10K, to be a, it would have to not be a left translated cycle. We'd have to have a regular cycle, I think, for something like that to happen in order for enough retail capital to come in. Yeah. And by left translated, Drew, by the way, just because we have a run up, let's say there's a big run up in the next three months. Uh, that doesn't mean you don't have like, you know, you know, a six month dumping period and then it runs again. So yeah, that was the other question, like the possibility of a double top. So I mean, if we have a blow off, because because this whole thing so far, Drew, feels to me like a PVP market. Like it's like everyone's just like selling each other shit, and a lot not a lot of new people coming in. So I I don't know. It it feels like some of this AI shit and all this has to be exhausted at some point, and um, and then everything can kind of like run again. Yeah, I actually totally agree with that. It's it's definitely PvP for sure. <laughs> but uh and that's that's again why I, I have a feeling we're gonna see a, a sort of a, a drag on over the next like maybe six months. And then we're gonna get a boost when there's like the first rate cut, but money's still not gonna be cheap. And then I think, you know, maybe middle of next year we're back down to normal uh normal federal funds rates. So like what I'm seeing is that demand is again outpacing supply in the real estate market like nationally so values keep going up rents keep going up it's going to keep inflation kind of sticky for a little bit longer so i think that you know maybe we don't see a rate cut until the election you're thinking like Uh, 25 things get exciting yeah i do believe you'll get a rate cut in march uh feds usually they bluff they don't want to give a clear direction wherever that they're going but in general you'll 90% 90% chance you're going to get a cut in March. It's, yeah, it's going but, to happen. But, but as long as that part of the inflation equation remains sticky, and that is the that is the slowest portion to come back into spec, I think they're going to be pretty easy on the rate cuts. So yeah, maybe we see a little rate cut, but then it's going to go sideways. It's going to go sideways because inflation is still going to be 3.5%, maybe 4%, um, and money's still going to be expensive, you know? At a 5% federal funds rate, money's still going to be like outlandishly expensive. So businesses are going to be keeping things a little bit scaled back, a little bit conservative, probably until end of the year, beginning of next year. So, Yeah, you also have to think about it as a pre-election year. They're going to kind of make Sleepy Joe look as good as possible. So we'll see. I have a I feeling think, he's not going to make anything, anything to make that. I don't think anything make that imbecile look good. At this yeah, point. Exactly. And, and, and I guy. have a feeling he's probably not going to be on the ticket. I mean, there's there's a consensus even even on the left 
that he's basically incompetent at this point. So I agree. I, I don't think they want for Biden, but we'll see. At the convention, DNC, I'm, I'm sure they're probably going to try to make a switch. So we'll see how that works. Now, like independents are probably seething at this point, looking at Biden. Like they're like, why haven't they removed him kind of thing? You know, it's it's pure irrationality that yeah, he's still I'd, there. So like, I'd be this one of be interesting. Them, though. Yeah, yeah it should be interesting popcorn, you know, fireworks to see all this happen. Imagine the guy's like total like he can't even like finish a sentence because his dementia is so bad by the end yeah, of the year. <laughs> kind of I don't know if you've seen Tucker Carlson. What he said is um, he gets insider information that. Sleepy Joe walks around the White House at nighttime, sleepwalking in his underwear or naked or some shit. Then they have to drug him up to bring uh, him back yeah. upstairs. I don't know if I buy that, man. But the bottom line is the guy can't finish a damn sentence. Yeah, he's, he's, he's a fucking neither, idiot. And neither can Kamala Harris. No, you see, he's yeah, got dementia. And he was always kind of average, but Kamala Harris is a moron. Like she's a She is. I'm like from San Francisco, so she fucked up our city. Dude, yeah, like... She she's like ten points lower IQ than 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 Joe was, and like, and even Sleepy Joe is an idiot. So, yep. What has America come to? <laughs> By the way, Seth, yeah, I was looking up those percentiles. Ninety ninth percentile is basically one percent. There's there's a slight deviation on that because of the bell curve, but it's about one percent. So Zin Zin got that pretty wrong. Wait, what is that again? The what? Can you hear me? Yeah, I missed what you just said about the. Oh, you mean about the whole, IQ the whole 99th percentile discussion we were having with Zen like two weeks ago, and she was like grilling the shit out of every single thing that I said. She was wrong on that. Drew, that doesn't, doesn't matter with the bell curve. Can anybody hear me? I don't know. Can you hear me, Seth? Yeah, I can hear you. All right, well, I guess you can't hear him. He's talking. Dude dropped off or something? I guess he's trying to come back. Um, yeah, I'll get him back. Oh, he was talking about, like, IQ curves and whatever. There's, like, more than one IQ test, so there's some debate about, like, when, when people talk about IQ, which which actual scale are they using? But anyway, who cares? Biden and uh, Kamala Harris are low on any scale that you can imagine. They've, they've both always been imbeciles to a large extent, so, like... <laughs> It's funny. I'm I'm back. What did I miss? Oh, something along the lines of I wouldn't trust Kamala Harris to run a lemonade stand. Oh my god, yeah, no way. I was I was just saying the conversation we had with Zinn um like what two weeks ago about IQ and she was grilling the shit out of absolutely every single thing that I said. Um 99th percentile is basically one percent, more or less a couple tenths, or like like give or give or take a couple tenths. It's it's nine it's one percent. She she had it wrong. You you guys were right curving the the ever loving shit out of that. It's it's one percent. So so where where does uh where does Biden fall on that for you? Oh, dude, I don't know. Pretty pretty far down there, man. I mean, he's got dementia, and even before that, he was like he was he's always been known for for having gaffes, right? Like he's always been a gaff machine in every single He's not just a gaff guy. Like I haven't heard anything that he's ever said ever in his entire life that suggests his IQ is greater than 90. Remember, electrical engineers are 95. 
Yeah, that's like, still no evidence mind because that's that's dead average, right? So, Beffy, oh yeah, well, no, average is about ninety three or ninety five in America. So it's Beffy, definitely yeah, below. In the U.S. in the U.S. Yeah, Feffy, what's your IQ? You use big words. Ninety five, maybe at best. Worldwide average is uh, eighty three. Holy shit! Really? Yeah, that's about right. Eighty two, depending on the the study you read. Eighty two, eighty three, eighty four. Always in that range. Jordan Peterson always makes comments about people with an IQ below 80 basically having no positive contribution to society. Like, um, Well, there's, there's a lot of research on a lot of things. Probably one of the most interesting researches uh, that's been done historically is armies all around the world um, for the recruitment of troops, like yep. the American army, European yes, armies, and so yep. on. And uh, what they basically found is they need to do cognitive testing because if they recruit people below about 83, maybe 80 to 83 IQ, if they recruit those people, those people, no matter how much they are trained, no matter how hard they are trained for however long are a danger to those around them. They're net, net negative for the platoon. Um, so they managed to, to do IQ testing in all the armies around the world, a battery of cognitive tests, and they generally eliminate people under that because they're net negative. Now, I mean, if that's the army and that's a relatively simple and straightforward sort of thing, at least in, in most like basic roles, then yeah, imagine the rest of life. <laughs> yeah, it's a yeah, common issue. Peterson had a similar commentary on that too, citing the military um, and studies that they conducted back in the early 1900s. But for, for the global average to be that low, I, it's kind of mind-blowing to me. I mean, do you think maybe that's skewed because of illiteracy? I think I think people have uh, drew what one of the problems is people got used to this idea of like the hundred being the kind of the the middle number and that's kind of like a I think it's more true for I guess like northern Europeans you know things like that it's not like but this idea that somehow everyone figured that oh like you know hundreds average I'm probably average and therefore I'm a hundred is just simply not the case um, like <laughs> so this is it's a funny scale um, when you look at it like it wasn't done like the scale wasn't developed initially on like all the world's population uh, and therefore 100 somehow equals the average of most people on the planet. That's not how the scale is set up. What's his name? Was get it the average of the whole planet though? Like you'd have to have everybody take an IQ test. It's just, they take the average of the IQ tests taken in a sense, and then they can do it off of those new, so SATs, they can do it off of that. The military, yes, the yes, ASVAB scores. So they testing in general, mil, military, yeah. uh, military testing scores. Now, I mean, it's all de facto. What's um, crazy is the military does waver in. So the military, so 32 on the ASVAB was usually like the lowest. Um, if you got, depending on how many soldiers are in the military at the time, if they're needing more people, they actually do a waiver and you can get 23%. Now, the jobs you're going to get with that is like cook, water purification, infantry always because we're body suits. Um, and now they actually don't even require a high school diploma anymore. They did up the, the ASVAB score that you have to t uh, reach, which is 50, um, which is actually really fucking low. You can basically go down and put A on every fucking, on all the multiple choice, just put A and 
you'll get a fucking 50. Um, but yeah, they don't even require high school diplomas anymore. It's a new fucking thing that they just did. I went yeah. to IQtest.com and it says I have 135 IQ. I took an IQ test. So why can't I buy anything right and sell when the fucking market's ripping? I took an IQ test when I was 18 and I got like uh, 91. Yeah, I don't believe It's not about your intelligence. It's about your heart. I follow that community narrative. I'm still at fucking zero. It is it is funny to watch people apply like so much thinking to crypto in the wrong directions. Like I charted the entire path of Bitcoin from 2021 into December, I think, and I still got it wrong. But I was right the whole fucking time. I think the lower your IQ in this market, the more money you make. I te- I tend to think you either need to be a complete retard or like super smart. <laughs> And if you're in, in the in-between, you're like losing completely and you're focusing on the wrong things. You're spending way too much effort. You need to be like either a pure vibe investor and really strict and loyal to it, or you need to be genuinely smarter than like 99% of people. Um, yeah. And then if you have both, then you're fucking a god. Yeah, there's some people that are mesmerizingly good, like in figuring this shit out. <laughs> like, but yeah, you, what, one thing to realize too is like, um, the, the midwit approach to like charts and things is that the, the chart thing predicts where the price is going to go f- for sure. Right. And so what happens is, is in your head, you're spinning a yarn in your head. It's going to go up because of this, this, and this, because of this before did this last month, whatever. But really it's, if anything, it's maybe that provides you some probability a little bit you know, maybe it nudges your, you this way or that way in terms of decision, but it's not really that predictive and the problem is is that the if you don't understand probability very well you you start looking at those things and assume that they help you very much they really don't and that's why like um there's like there's a limit to how useful they are i think yeah but i don't even do the work all i do is i i see what you post see what coach posts and a few others whatever bullshit you guys are pretty much posting about and then i I just grab a bag of it and it's worked so far. I mean, I've always made money off that shit. So I don't watch, see what, how high it's been, how low it's been. I just grab a bag of it. And then I set some sell orders in that give me like a half X, maybe one X, whatever. I remain subscribed to the idea of counter trading Cephi's posts. I want link down. He wants it up linked to twelve dollars, please. It'll go down probably, yeah. Pretty good chance. He wants to flood Adam. I want Adam to run. Adam should be running right now. It should pull a link. That was the only one. I mean, I have Adam, but I never got like huge bags into Adam. Even when Sefi was talking a lot about it. And and, and I don't Bruce know. was Bruce was correct. He was like, Oh, you should dump your Adam, it's not gonna go anywhere. It's now at $9.80. I, mean, I also <laughs> said that to you, too. I said that last year. I was like, send it to the nines. And here we are. Send it. Now send it up. Still at the nines. <laughs> send it to the teens. 
it's time. My my my, uh, my charts flipped. That's the I'm only one I kept track of. Is Cosmos just because of Luna? Because I had a bunch of money in fucking Luna, but after Luna took a shit, but won't talk about that. But I just couldn't see. I couldn't see Adam going anywhere. Like they weren't, they weren't growing with the times, you know. So it's like other people are going to come in, like Chainlink or whoever, and they're going to bring some new tech and in crypto that that kills you you're fucking dead in the water i mean it's just been a slow death for them i don't i don't think there's much of anything they can fucking do at this point hey but we have dow tooling now we have dow tooling oh yeah woohoo you guys quit fudding my bags man <laughs> oh hey Luke Stand- what's going on it's been a while. <laughs> I just came up to say hi to everybody. What you doing, man? Uh, just working. Okay. Yeah, how's everybody doing? Good, good. You have nighttime work or what? Uh, no, I worked uh, all day. I'm about to finish up here in a couple hours. Have you been disconnected from the umbilical cord that is Luna Classic? or no? Dude, I have been disconnected from the umbilical cord of crypto as a whole. Really, you have turned your. Yeah. You have turned if your. You were a fanatic during the like uh, the Luna Classic. You have turned uh, your yeah. back on Lon- uprising. Yeah, you see, <laughs> Bruce. Uh, see what what happened was you uh, have betrayed was about... Lunk. You have turned your back on Lunk. Get out. <laughs> no, I was I was in a really bad financial situation, uh, and uh, I ended up having to sell my house. I moved to Arizona. Um, but I mean, I, I spent the last year kind of uh, like rebuilding myself. Uh, I got divorced, um, but I've been doing a lot better. Goddamn, Luquan, I thought you were moving to fucking UK. Dude, <laughs> you know, that's crazy. We, I also live in Sedona, yeah. Arizona, and I placed my house inside a vortex spot. <laughs> Shut the fuck up. Sorry to hear about the divorce. Hope the kids are good, Luquan. Yeah, that's a, that's another story. Uh, I'm, I'm doing. I'm. I'm good. I'm good. I well, just hit me up privately or whatever if you want to talk. Yeah, Where in Arizona are you? Uh, right under Phoenix. It's called Maricopa. Oh, you're in Maricopa. Yeah. Okay. Um, I'll be out there next month. Yo, hit me up, dude. Same. Yeah, I actually own. So right side. I know in Maricopa, that first housing development that you come into on the left into Maricopa, yeah, right I own like six the houses there. Yep. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> I got yeah. like six houses in that motherfucker. The, the, so. the one road, the one road that, that you take to get to Maricopa. Yeah. So my fat, so one of our businesses, we built that one. And then the one right across the street from it, um, on, the, the on the North side, the villages, um, we helped build most of all those houses in there, and I still own six of them right there. And then my cousin owns two of hey, them. Wait a minute, what happened to your wind chimes? <laughs> um, I'm not at the house, dude. I'd be on space. Mm-hmm. Be- dude, I, I haven't been them. at my house in like four months. Like- no bullshit. Yeah, what is like, I rubbed them for his wind chimes. Yeah, hit me up when you're in Arizona, dude. We'll go get a drink or something. Yeah, sure. sure. I'm, I'm going out there next month to go see my kids. So. I'll be okay. out there for a few days. Well, probably like close to a week, actually. I'm going to try to take a week. In Maricopa? At f- 
Is this a crypto space or is it a dating? Uh, we're going to go on a date, uh, Bruce. Why don't you stop cock blocking, okay? Is this a crypto Bruce, space? you can come too, man. We'll go to the racetrack. Is this a crypto right there by Maricopa, the racetrack there. Yeah, we go and race our cars there. there. Okay, I'll pass Yeah, right there by the casino. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to get the Amtrak. Yep. Yeah, hit me up. <laughs> hit me up when you're out here, Demon Monkey. You have to call him Demon Monkey when you meet him, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll I'll introduce him as Demon Monkey. Yeah, it's funny. I've actually met a few people. Um, so Bruce, not Coach Bruce, um, but Bruce, who owns uh, Blue Oysters. Even when I went to his restaurant, all of his servers, he, he introduced me as Demon Monkey. This is Demon Demon Monkey. That's nice. <laughs> hey, you know what you're going to do, Demon Monkey? You're going to go and meet him, but you're going to take your wind chimes with you. So, like, you're going to eat in a restaurant or have a date or whatever. The pleasant wind chimes will be, like, like making noise in the background and whatever. And Luke Juan's going to go, ah, and he's going to have a nice meal. <laughs> Just... Yeah, we'll go to, I think there's actually a re restaurant there called the Wind Chimes something. They got a bunch of wind chimes. It's not in Maricopa. It's, I think it's in uh, Avondale. <laughs> yeah, but just go to the bar, just hang up wind chimes, dude. Fuck it, why not? Dude, I haven't even been home, though, in like four months. I've been nonstop fucking traveling, fucking in and out of fucking court. Like, I've been living out of a suitcase pretty goddamn much. Just spent like three weeks in the fucking hospital. Um, that was fun. And then still traveling like back and forth between fucking places. And it's been stupid. Fucking stupid. I was supposed to be retired. Fuck. Okay. So what crypto are we on now, Sefi, Bruce, everyone? <laughs> we're, we're all <clears throat> super bullish on Luna Classic. Got to add that to the to the headline. Yeah, we've we've gone back to the very beginning, the, the beginnings. Yeah, back to Luna Classic again. All right. Do a short on USTC. I haven't been following them, but I see that they're finally burning the that USTC wallet worth like twenty six million or whatever the fuck. Complete fucking morons. For Bruce. some reason, do you guys tracking that shit? For some reason, they think burning 800, what is it, 800 million USTC or some bullshit, it's going to burn away $10 billion worth of fucking debt. Wait, who thinks that? I don't think that's the narrative. Fuck. It's more burn, so to protect that... from, a, uh, from a dump risk from Risk Harbor. Like, everybody knows you can't burn money that doesn't exist. I think that, no, I that's think the, in, that's the logic they've put behind that bullshit. The argument was that's that they return the money to the community pool, which they've been ignoring. So the idea is to freeze it and burn it so that they can't dump it on the open market. I think high level, there's just there's always some next thing to get excited about. And everyone sort of glorifies it as something to care about or that can have an effect on price or whatever. 
Uh, but really, it's just like a, a thing that people talk about for two weeks and then instantly they forget about that thing because it didn't actually have any effect at all and they're on to the next one. And it's like this this endless cycle. It never ends ever and never will end. Hey, so tell me tell me about autism. What's what's going on with this autism thing? Oh, it's just like a little outrage. I know absolutely nothing about it. Yeah, why why pump yeah why pump hit me up? It's the most imp- it's the most amazing <laughs> coin ever created. It's just it's just a, it's just a silly thing. Uh, yeah. We we launched a, an autism contract, and then I handed out like most of the supply to just everyone. Um, the the idea is like if you if you like someone on the internet, maybe they've been really kind or playful, or maybe they're like Sefi and they've done educational spaces, or maybe they're just really funny or whatever. Then you give them autism, and the idea is like I really appreciate you, so I'm making you autistic. <laughs> that's basically all there is to it. <laughs> but it's, hey, it's funny. Hey, why pump hit me up on Instagram and she's like, "Hey, can you download this thing? I want to give you autism." I'm like, "What?" Exactly. And then, but it's funny because it's like, "Hey, I want like a DMing people. Hey, I want to make you autistic." They're like, "Oh, don't worry about it. I'm already autistic." And I'm like, "No, no, you can never have enough." And then you send it over. And then um, it's kind of funny to do it this way because. I've handed out loads and then in turn, because people appreciate it, they pick like 10 people each or whatever and they've handed it out to. So now you have like, I don't know, 3000 holders or something, but it's just like a fun thing. It's just like, um, it's, it's sort of, uh, odd like it's, 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 it's like, like a chain email for crypto. Yeah. That was the idea. I made a, a website. It's called proofofvirtue.com. Um, but it, it's sort of like, uh, you remember those chain emails of the past that were very superstition based. Like if you don't, if you don't email three people, you'll die on the, the, the fifth day of, of February or whatever. Sort of the same thing. It's like, except on a positive note. Um, hey, I just had a realization. Uh, Luke Juan needs to go to Germany and uh, take out uh, Y Pump. That would be full circle. Oh, man. that would be full circle. Oh, my God, wouldn't it? You've known each other for like two fucking years now or something. Yeah, dude. We used to host space. Give her a pump or two. <laughs> why not Is she, she remembered to give you autism that tells me something yeah no she she hit me up on uh I, I, it was instagram like she messaged me she's like hey are you still into crypto I, I go no but i plan to get back in she's like download this thing and then uh give me your address or your your, your wallet address and uh i'll send you some But yeah, yeah, it's been pretty cool. A lot of people who receive like thousands of dollars have given away everything just to to like make other people autistic and stuff. So sort of a nice, like kind, loving thing. Not not like a normal crypto where it's like, how can I make money? Instead, it's like, uh, I really like you. So here I'm making you autistic. Um, it's, yeah, it's pretty nice. I'm glad to know Bruce fucking hates me since I didn't even get a single coin. <laughs> I would have done, but you were you were like offline for six months or something. Yeah, where were you? You disappeared doing court shit or whatever. My my granny's doing like really bad. And so she's stepping away from the trust completely from all the family businesses. And the lady that we put in charge of it didn't want to deal with her kids, like my grandma's kids, my dad and uncle and aunt, because they're becoming fucking hyenas. And trying to 
take my granny's money and because she's stepping down her voting positions and the money she gets from that voting position they're trying to accumulate all of that shit yet they don't do anything they just collect monthly checks that's it so i had to step back in we have demon monkey we have lukewarm we have white pump we have madman this is like the entire lunar classic (laughs) community Yo, no quan. Why I'm gonna I, kill I you when I, when I find Luke, you. I said, <laughs> listen, why pump? I have suggested that Luke Quan come to Germany and take you out somewhere. I'm gonna kill him when he comes, bro. You didn't send me. <laughs> why pump? I didn't know why pumps in Germany. Spricht du Deutsch? Uh, yeah. Ach du Scheiße! <laughs> ich hab's nicht gewusst. Bist du Deutsch? So, so yeah. why are you gonna? My mother voted Why are you gonna kill me? Ah, that's clear. He's trying to wait a minute. You can't distract me. Look, one, when I find you, I'm gonna kill you, bro. You didn't send me your fucking wallet. What? Oh, and I, I have didn't even thousands, down- like bunch of autisms. Okay, I'll, I'll fucking download the thing. Nice. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something. When the world starts to get really bad. And these mugs out here robbing, you gonna love digital currency. All these motherfuckers, they be running and gunning. And I'm all like, I'm sitting back just having fun in the sun. And then I'm like one out of a hundred. I'm just building up on it. So some of everything we built are in the last hundred upsets. You're getting salty, feeling faulty. You ain't no man. I keep robo here, grinning near to ear, throwing up anarchy. Smoking toiletries, spitting philosophies. Look at the dossier. We rack like geology. There's layers to this shit. Like it's sedimentary. All these little onion peels getting torn off. And buried, imagine the smell That shit is a vital experience Without knowing how you will not survive, period uh, <laughs> He's a fucking trip, man To me, if you, to me, if you listen to this, right You're getting absolutely fucking ripped to death Like on a spaces of a life You little troglodyte bastard I hope you fucking listen I hope you come to my house, son I swear to God, man I've got fucking loads of weapons And my dogs, man you just a little rat, man Go on Fuck off, man. Do one. Harmony. Near no, the one. Do you looking for a fucking job? You fucking idiot. You've just been fucking at my best. Fuck off. Try to change the course of the portion philosophy. I'm just here for the corporation sponsor. But bottomy feels like I won the lottery. Like I'm ghosting this pottery. Chill, Demi. Boy, the shit's supposed to be haunting. If it wasn't, ain't no puzzle. You would try to train your muscle. Air dropping like a fatal hustle. But the pay is bustin'. Think of all the loss of crew. Just to pick up off the tricky custom. I figured all those sub doubts would make up for something. I guess it just goes to show the fuck do I know. At least it's quiet over here. I like my little silo. It's better than watching them fight over how to divide my time between Sitting at the desk and the ride home Devs at Mickey D's, they leeching off that Wi-Fi Zapdos and Mole, they shipping more than five guys Console open, waiting for the kamikaze When the flash phone bang, they feeling like paparazzi Snapshot motherfuckers We got layers, meteora jawbreaker We cracking a lot of craters We rapping a lot of pay dirt Maxing out relators Imagine the smell, five dollar wrench to your Darth Vader It's, it's really funny uh, to us at Binance That everyone here is talking about uh, blockchain attack. We know who all the validators are. We know, we know where they live. And we're going to their house. And we're going to range. To their big range. And we will attack them at the range. And then we will take their validator node physically and put it in a truck and drive it to China. Right, so this is an extension of the, the activities you performed on, on BTC, right? Uh, funding and creating these massive uh, Bitcoin mines, putting them in caves, putting them in in uh, factories that were abandoned in the past, 
and also using electromagnetic pulse bombs to detonate uh, the USA and the other country mines, right? So you're now applying this strategy to, to Lung uh, in order to take over the chain, is that correct? Uh, it's more simple. There's no uh, EMP bomb. It's just a van of men in uh, Balaclava and they have wrench and they're taking the physical validators from people's houses. They are usually very fat and they're usually uh, in the shower with, you know, with trying to wash uh, their mice uh, droppings off their uh, clothes. So it's very simple. We just walk in and we take it. But if there is someone who is sitting at the computer or sleeping at the computer, we, uh, we hit them with the wrench really, really hard. And then they say, stop. Don't do that again. And we say, that's okay. Just mm -hmm. give us your validator note. And then they give it to us and we drive it to China. Ten spaces.